so many men, when they fall in love, they go all the way feminine. They may not realize that, but uh, uh, yeah. many of us, if not all of us, have been there at least yeah. once. You know what I'm saying? Where we just lose sight and we're just all extra emotional, yeah, all needy, clingy, everything. Soft. Yes. Stop showing up to the fellas. <laughs> exactly. You know and even if, like, I know some people will say, well, you know why? I'm talking to. don't try to make it seem like uh, feminine, being clingy is feminine. It's, I'm not going to say that clingy is feminine, but clinginess in a man comes across as feminine. Yeah. The same way a bad attitude in a woman comes across as masculine. But bad attitudes aren't inherently a masculine trait. Right. You know what I'm saying? So sometimes it's just about how we make ourselves look when we act out in certain ways. And so a lot of that, though, is due to fear and a lack of understanding of our emotions. So the fear of, I may not meet another woman like this again. Uh, I'm just this lucky to have her. I'm afraid I'm going to lose her. And so because you're so afraid, you lose yourself mm. trying not to lose her. Mm. You see what I'm saying? But if you simply had the mindset of, okay, I'm going to show up as the man I need to be, love this woman, but if I have to walk away, I'm prepared to do that, it would completely shift the dynamic. Mm-hmm. So we just, again, balance to me is, is a huge key for yeah. men to tap into if we want better relationships and to make better choices of the women we deal with. 19 keys, 19 keys. I appreciate my pops for teaching me how to be a guy. From a boy to a man and ultimately back to the natural state of being to a guy. As guys, we're supposed to always move with that higher self. And I have to be able to execute it. Having knowledge is not power. The execution of knowledge is power. Knowledge makes a man unfit to be a slave. Because the only real knowledge you can get is knowledge of self. This is the highest level. The highest level is ownership. The highest level is power. The highest level is sovereignty. The highest level is higher consciousness. The highest level is we own our own culture. at a very high level. Not eye level. Peace family is 19 keys with another high level conversation. Today we're going to have a beautiful discussion and conversation. I think it's one of the most necessary ones. The most often discussed, but probably the most often conversation that I believe gets wrong the most. Um, Everybody in the world um, today, I believe in many fashions, takes themselves as an expert because of the new media and our ability to communicate at rapidly at the tip of your fingers, right? You can just get out of divorce, you can just get out of bad relationship, and then you can pick up the microphone and you can speak to the world and then you can relate to others who experience the same trauma and situations creating these cultures of bonding and as I think about that I say that we have to get to a place where we're actually having conversations with people who have knowledge on this and expertise on this and this is their area of focus and study so that we're not just getting the opinions of people which specifically is coming from places of trauma but we're getting it from people who've actually studied and learned this and who's dedicated their lives towards it. You know, specifically when we talk about relationships, relationships comes from the word relatio, right? Which means to bring back, right? A coming together. 
and the ship is a representation of the state of and or condition. So when we're talking about having relatio or relating to other people, it is supposed to be something that's restoring, right? So when we think about, let's say, having a relationship with our other half, right? That is the bringing of coming together, right? That is the coming wholeness. But today, I don't think that wholeness is in the conversations, more wholeness in the conversation, right? Today, this good brother, I believe, is a great communicator. Um, he's a no-nonsense, straight-to-the-point type of person, and he speaks to the feminine, masculine, he speaks to men and women on how to engineer love. And when you talk about engineering love, it's also engineering self, right? It's very important that we have our philosophers, our thought leaders of today that we can go to specifically when we need that assistance and not even just need it when we're ready for it. And I've seen this brother video circulate throughout social media, and I remember listening to it and it had a profound effect on me a few times. And it's not common that some people can say things and I actually like really listen and gravitate towards and I appreciate it. So the reason we're having this conversation today is because I've been directly affected by the advice that this brother has spread throughout the world. And he says it in a very genuine, calm, authentic manner. The person that I'm talking about today is not just the person that picks up a microphone, but he actually has a degree in marriage right now. I didn't even know you can get that. So I'm interested to actually talk to this brother and talk about, you know, as we talk about relationships, I believe it's a lot about talking about self, right? Because self image comes into a big play. So without further ado, we're going to bring in this esteemed wise philosopher of a young man and God, Stefan Speaks. Yeah. You know, we got some Stevens on the team, so <laughs> I'd be having to make sure I get it right. I feel you. How you feeling today, brother? I'm feeling good. Glad yeah. to be here, man. Yes, sir. Likewise. I'm glad you're here. So I want to dive straight into it, right? All right. First of all, I want to ask you how you feel about the state of conversation around relationships, right? As we talk about anybody, yes, with a, with a microphone and some trauma can pick up a, uh, a can start a podcast, mm -hmm. and then people with that same trauma or, or are going to relate to them, create a, they have a new relationship, a new bonding, a new pairing, and they can create a brand and a culture around that, but they can be 100% wrong, Yeah. right? But when you say things and you gain popularity, then people feel that you might be right. And this can, not can, I know this is adding, right, to the destruction of relationships, yeah. right? Not the betterment and the growth and the evolution of them. So what's your thought processes as you see it play out? Man, it pisses me off. <laughs> All the time. Like, I've, I always say, if if someone is walking in their purpose and they're out here genuinely doing the work, I support them. I don't care who they are. I don't care if they surpass me because they're passing mm -hmm. along the right message and they're trying to make positive things happen. But I can't stand all the people who jump on the wave of relationships. And that's what it is. Like, I've seen individuals who, they may be music artists. And they'll start doing relationship advice yeah. videos. You know what I'm yeah. saying? They, they might be doing a completely different type of business, but they'll start doing relationship advice videos because everyone starts to see those things can go viral. And what made it worse is that they started to realize that being divisive, being polarizing, mm -hmm. being sensational was the best way to get clicks and views. Mm -hmm. So now they're tapping into that. But as you mentioned, creating more drama, more negativity, and ripping people apart rather than bringing them together. Right. So I, I just feel like all these extra voices have contaminated the space. 
and it's unfortunate, but it's just one of those things where you, you just have to kind of fight through it and, and just keep doing what you got to do. How long have you been doing it? Man, it's been at least 12 years. 12 years. Yeah, I remember early on seeing your page and sharing some of your content. And you was in the space when it wasn't oversaturated. Yeah. Right? It's like, I may have some good relationship bars here and there, but I would never, I talk to them about it all the time. Like, I don't pick it up on purpose. Yeah. Right? Because I don't, number one, if I don't believe that that's my expertise, because when I get into things, I got to, like, master them. I have to study it. I have to know the science, the psychology. I have to know the background, the history, right? And then I also have to be living it 100%, right, in the sense of relationships. I was talking to them earlier, you know, um, it's, it's different than, like, you being a, um, a science teacher. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, to be a science teacher, you can just inform people on the information, Yeah. right? And but then I think there's a twofold as well that we are in this day and age where we don't know how to just learn from people. We we gravitate towards their personality and we invest so much in them mm -hmm. rather than the advice and the information. Yeah. So we want the people that teach us to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Right. We want them to be 100 percent because you can teach a perfect knowledge, but you might not be a perfect messenger or representation of that knowledge yeah but it has no connotation to the lessons that you're being given so we've learned that throughout our life because our teachers you teach business but they're not entrepreneurs mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they teach science but not scientists yeah. right and so now in this day and age we are in this judgment zone does that give you um, I don't know, just in, in a sense of just the whole accountability of your relationship being perfect, mm -hmm. right, in your life as you give other people advice about their relationships. Um, so, well, one, let me make it clear. Does I'm it single right now. Okay. So that helps remove some pressure. I, I ain't got no <laughs> relationship to yeah. put in front of everybody, but it is something that I think about. And, and I do tell people that part of the reason why I have to be even more particular about who I choose is because there is going to be a greater spotlight on right. my relationship. And I do have to, in essence, be a representation of my work. But I, I don't let myself fall into the expectation of perfection mm -hmm. anymore. In the beginning, I used to worry about that a lot. But now it's just like, yo, none of us are perfect. Mm -hmm. And if you're expecting that we all are on point every day, 24-7, that's just, that's unrealistic. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So to me... I'm just going to I'm just striving for making sure I choose the right person the way that I encourage others to choose the right person. Mm -hmm. To me that's the most important foundational piece. You know what I'm saying? Of course, listening to God in that process, but then other than that, you're going to have some ups and downs here and there. The key is if you two are always working towards trying to improve things. So it's okay to have some off days, but are you working towards better? That's the key. Right. You know, I'm currently on a, um, a journey of exploring my shadow self, right? Mm -hmm. I've been doing a lot of work with it. I went to one day of therapy so far, right? Um, and this is something that I probably was starkly against at first, but mm -hmm. exploring the mental health issues within my own family, right? And some of my own mistakes and things of that nature in life. I have a growth mindset, so I always want to get better, right? And one thing that I learned was that, you know, the decisions that we make a lot of times, the things that we do is not who we are, right? Yeah. These are our preconditions. These are the way that we've been programming chiefly it comes through childhood, mm. right? And so a lot of people don't examine their childhood, right? I've been going through a deep examination of who I am to 
really show up as my authentic self at all times. And not just, you know, showing up in a sense to where this is what you show the world, right? But this is what you know of yourself. Yeah. So I examine, you know, kind of going back into my own childhood, just looking at the dynamics of my parents' relationship. How did that affect me? How did I feel at that time? Right. You know, the words that were repeated to me as a youngster, how did that affect the relationships that I have with women or men? You mm -hmm. understand me in business or finance. Right. And really going back and doing that work, I think, is key because now I understand the shadow self in a way to where it was a term to me. Now it's an experience. Mm -hmm. Right. And doing that work is something that benefits everybody. Absolutely. Right. Because there's a lot of people who who don't realize that. You know, we make these decisions throughout life, right? And we cover up for them. But a lot of times is, you know, your shadow self wanting to come out, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's like, um, I'm going to give an example. And you can give me some examples on this because I know it has to come up in your work a lot. All, all the time. You know, the decisions that we make on a daily basis, the mistakes that we make and the reasons why we do things are uh, usually very emotionally connected mm -hmm. and that place is not always present emotions right the place is usually past emotions that we fostered and your shadow self is always trying to reveal to you like no this is who i really am this is who you're trying to be but this is who i am mm -hmm. right and this is why you make mistakes because you're like damn why did you do that and that's your shadow self saying look you've been suppressing me right but you know when you were a child you went through this and that formed who you were and then you've created this you know, the, you're working to create this alternative identity and you show the world all these things, but this is who we are. You know what I'm saying? And I'm always this backseat passenger trying to remind you of who we are. So that self-war and that fight that we have against ourselves shows up when we're with somebody else as well. Yeah. And so that's when people say, I, I thought I knew you, but I don't know you. Mm -hmm. Because you can know the light self that a person shows up, but you may not know their shadow self. Mm -hmm. And that's the person that a person is battling and fighting and you have to stop fighting with your shadow self and learn how to integrate it, understand it and be aware of it, which to me is the only and making peace with it, which is the only way in order for you to live peacefully within yourself. Absolutely. And, you know, for some people, the struggle is they their shadow self has been suppressed even when they were a child. Mm. So they never they don't even have like a reference point completely of who they really were, because from very little, their parents were putting them in a box and not allowing them to explore themselves and understand themselves and tap into what really makes them happy. And so a lot of adults, they are struggling in so many ways because they don't know who they are or they have an idea, but they're either ashamed to be that person or they feel like, let's say it's a career thing. I remember one time I had a client when she was a, a little girl, she loved performing. She loved acting. Now for her, it wasn't being suppressed because she even went to an acting school. But at some point, I can't remember what shifted, but something happened where she had to stop the acting school. She eventually becomes a social worker. But she's like feels empty every day doing social work. Her heart is in the mm -hmm. arts. You know what I'm saying? But now at this point in life, it's like, how do I transition to the arts when that doesn't pay the bills? Right. And, and it's not an easy thing just to pick it up. So now I have to continue to stay in this prison that I don't want to be in because I'm afraid to accept who I really am and be that person mm. where my happiness is. So there's so many people. And, and what then happens for a lot of individuals is because they don't know themselves and they can't walk in their truth, yeah. the partner they, they choose 
does not fit mm-hmm. the true self. Mm. It fits the current representation Ooh. of yeah. self. You see what I'm saying? And what happens is, you know, I always say you can't suppress the real you forever. It's going to come out at yeah. some point. And so you have a lot of relationships that at some point in it, the real self comes out and starts to see. They either see the person they picked they don't like or the person they pick realizes I don't like the real right. you. You right. know what I'm saying? So now there's all this conflict. But then again, kind of like the lady who is now a social worker, can't go to acting. It's the person who now has a baby with this person, mm. who's married to this person, who's built this entire life. And it's like, how do I leave this even though I know this does not connect with the real me? Right. You know, and to add another layer to it, it makes it even harder if that person, your partner, isn't really doing anything wrong. Right. They're not a bad person. But you're not feeling them like that. Mm-hmm. And because you're not feeling like that, you're never going to be able to pour into them the way that they need. They can't pour into you the way that you need. It's just a disaster waiting to... I mean, it's already a, already happened disaster, but it's only going to get worse from there. So it's really unfortunate. And that's why I think we really got to embrace finding ourselves as soon as possible. Like, I, I don't like how society, even when it comes to education, a lot of us go to college... We don't know what we want to major in that first year. And what they say, oh, you got till junior year. Don't worry about it. You know, just, yeah. just go to the classes yeah. right now, figure it out later. And that seems like a good idea, but it's bad because then what happens is you become a junior. You got to pick something mm-hmm. and you force it because you never really spent those first few years yeah. finding yourself. You're just cruising through college. And so in so many different areas, we overlook the need to really get in touch with who we really are. And understand that's the foundation to build a life that's truly best for us. You know how hard they try to stop us from getting right here? You know how many of us had to die? You know how many of us done taught, done bled, done stood on these stages, done marched, done got beat down, done been hanged, done been lynched? We done fought for the right to read, to give knowledge to our people, to resurrect the dead. But we here. You came here because you recognize something is wrong in the world. If we create new culture, we create new values, we create new systems, we give ourselves new options. Being a God is about being able to take the self-power that we have, the self-knowledge that we have, and take the thoughts that is inside of us and enjoy life by bringing them into reality. We play God when we come together, right? Not while we apart. Tonight was very good. I'm happy that I paid for that. I suggest anybody that has the money, Come out, pay for that VIP. Are we at our highest level or our lowest level? Highest level. We at our highest level or our lowest level? Highest level. Well, let's see it in our actions on a daily basis. Build with your family, go to war, and take over the planet Earth. The highest level tour is, you know, it's, it's a moment in, in history that we get to think about and relish in and be a part of. This is me proving my thought leadership. This is me implementing the ideas and reinvigorating the spirit that we're going to need to win the future right now. You know, you said a lot of key points and it had me thinking about something. So in India, 90% of marriages are arranged, Mm -hmm. right? And they have like almost a less than 1% divorce rate out there. And as you was talking about like having the choices thrown in front of you and then you're told to pick but when you're picking you don't really know yourself right yeah. this is why you hear the most common thread 
I'm, I'm trying to know, learn myself. I'm going to college to find who I am, right? Mm -hmm. Which is, I always tell people, you don't find who you are, you realize who you are, yeah. right? Because it's already there, yeah. right? So for you, it's a self-study, it's a realization that you, you are you. It's like, mm -hmm. examine yourself, right? And believe what you see. Believe your own thoughts, your own feelings, your own ideas. But people have an issue with, you know, believing themselves, right? And then I think about the idea, though, how arranged marriages work because oftentimes a person grows to love this person mm -hmm. right it's not based on personalized decisions right it's something bigger to self and it's based on tradition so the tradition of the ideas around it right are saying that okay well this is what everybody else do it this is how i'm going to find my love this is right for the family so it's steeped in these core values and rites of passage and so you know the love doesn't start from first sight. No, it's different. It's a love that you have to grow into, right? But it's arranged love. And I think about that as like the arranged self, mm -hmm. right? Like we, we have a society to where we're constantly trying to get people to customize and pick who they are, right? But in the societies where things work a little better, it's already arranged on who you're going to be. Mm. Right. So where it's like we're going to arrange for you to be a scientist. We're going to arrange for you to be a lawyer. So now your thoughts of, oh, I'm going to be all these other thousand things, because we also know that too many options is not good for people. Yeah. Right. So we think that freedom comes in these options, but it's not right, because then we become, you know, when, when you got to make some, you get decision fatigue. Right. So mm. where you make no decision or a bad decision. Right. But when you're giving just a few options, this is much easier. This is the arranged self. This is how things are going to be. I don't have to overly question things. People can be happier in that way. It's not until we start comparing. Right. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like if you go back into the, the early you know, decades of marriage between men and women in America. People didn't. It, it's an interesting idea to say that people didn't know that they weren't happy. Right. Mm -hmm. Because what you sometimes can find out is that, no, they had a baseline of happiness and you made them think they weren't happy because they didn't have what you have. Right. So it's kind of like and you talk a lot about women. So I want to get your take on this, like the women's movement. Right. The women's movement for white women and black women was always different. Mm -hmm. But when women, white women wanted to make their movement bigger, they co-opted black women, black women in their movement as well. And black women started to examine their relationships the same way white women examine their relationships. Mm -hmm. Right. And we had a plethora of issues and problems within our dynamics. Right. But it wasn't the same that white men and women had right in their relationships. And some people may have already been happy. But then when you was like, you think you happy, but you cooking and cleaning for him or you doing this for him. So now she's examining a different arrangement. Like, well, maybe I want that or maybe this is not freedom when she was feeling free. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that's where it's kind of like, you know, and this is like a first time I'm sort of thinking about this idea of the arranged self that we're happier with less options. Right. Mm -hmm. Like so, so in today's time. Right. And I would love your thoughts on that. And, you know, just around about the thoughts that I just kind of thrown at you, like the arranged self, arranged marriage, like and just that idea. Will we be happier in marriages, you know, if we weren't trying to be as progressive in society? OK, so I think let's start with the arranged self. I agree with the premise that we would be better off with less options. However, I believe that less options can be achieved by realizing we this whole idea of you can be anything you want to be, throw it away. Mm. That that's the thing that I think is messing people up. 
because now they're trying to fit into boxes they don't belong in. So it's almost like the dude, and I'm going to use an extreme example, the dude who's 4'9", who wants to be in the NBA, all right? Now, granted, you don't want to ever tell anyone they can't achieve something, <laughs> yeah. but at the same time, that's not really probably going to be your best yeah. fit. You know what I'm saying? And, and even if you think it could be, you're going to have to work 100 times harder. Will you find that worth it in the end? I think for a lot of people, what's happening is there are too many options, yes, as far as what they're trying to be, because again, they're not honing into what they are good at. Mm. What is their personal gift? What is their God-given purpose? Because now, if we look at it from that angle, the options naturally decrease. You see what I'm saying? Now we're not thinking we can do all these different things. No, it's going to stay within the frame of what we're skilled at, where God wants us to be, how we can serve the world. So I do think that would be beneficial. Now, when we talk about arranged marriages, see, I always have pushed back on arranged marriages because to me, though they are... We have to understand that when people frame them as more successful, they're basing longevity mm -hmm. on that success. And I always say longevity does not equate to success because you have to look at the quality of the relationship and mm -hmm. what it produces. Now, someone could correct me if I'm wrong, but if you were to study the children of arranged marriages, because to me, to really understand the quality of the household, you must examine the child, all right? People can claim whatever they want on the surface. Our relationship is great. Have all these nice pictures on the internet. Look at the child and what the child's going through. You rarely, I've never met a child who grew up in an arranged household who was like, please arrange me. <laughs> like, please yeah. set me up too. Because what happens is they grow up seeing a relationship that does not have love in it. It's more so just an acceptance of the dynamic, the culture that we're in. The reason, so not to cut your wisdom there, yeah. but this is an interesting premise, right? So it's the it's the idea of Western romantic love, mm -hmm. and then it's the dutiful love, mm -hmm. right? To where it's like your mother loves your husband because they maintain their duties towards each other, versus we don't see the Western sensationalized love, so we don't think that that's love still. Yeah. So I think, because to me, I'll be honest with you. I, I struggle to see it as love as well because to me, it's more so born out of an attachment out of the arrangement, mm. all right? So even when they're saying, okay, we're fulfilling our duty, what's really being fulfilled in the duty is making sure the kids are okay. So they are fulfilling the duty of parenting when, when there's arranged marriage. But most of those couples are still having a huge disconnect as far as fulfilling each other. So the duty of making husband and wife truly happy is usually not completely there in the arranged marriage mm -hmm. either. You see what I'm saying? So to me, it's like, I, I remember there's a culture, I don't want to call them out, but there's a culture I've seen where I want to say the majority of them were brought up in arranged marriages. And I went to some event, they were all there. And when I was looking at the women, they looked like they lost their spirit. They seemed so depressed, so run down. These are beautiful women, but they did, their energy was gone. And when you're stuck in a situation like that, again, there's also other negative things going on that doesn't get talked about because it isn't to say all arranged marriages or all cultures that engage in that have abusive relationships. But when the relationship is abusive, there's less of a way out. Because again, in that culture of arranged marriage, divorce is shamed, is looked down upon. So the, the women in those situations 
feel like they can't leave. And then when they express uh, an unhappiness, when they express an abuse is occurring, well, the next wife is going through the same thing. So she's like, listen, just that's what the men do. Don't worry about it. Just, you know, you're going to be okay. So to me, again, it, it just doesn't seem like the healthiest, happiest dynamic. Mm-hmm. Though I will agree, is it, it, can an argument be made it's better than what we're doing in the West now? Right, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's, it's as best as what it's compared against. Yes. Right? Because if we look at our love in the West, Western love, I think, is terrible specifically because there's no real culture under it. Mm-hmm. Right? And, you know, if you want to create a uh, company, right, you know, if you go look at Google, look at Amazon, they have a certain culture in that company, right? When people that, that come in, they fit into the culture, and then they work on whether they're effective to be good for that culture, right? Mm-hmm. But if you don't fit into the culture, then you're not going to be good. Are you good for the values, the principles, right, of that culture? And so when we talk about, like, marriage in our culture, but we don't have, you know, a culture that fits for marriage, principles that are designed for marriage, right? In our media, in our music, not even in our language at this point, and mm-hmm. now not in our so-called progressive movements. Mm-hmm. So what everything that we do is sort of anti-love right now. It's yeah. like it's anti-family, it's anti-marriage, and it's like, where does this go, right? So we have the great divided culture rather than, okay, these things are set in place so that the, the boy understands the relationship between him and his father. The daughter understands the relationship between her and her mother, right? The son understands the dynamic between the mother and him, right? The son understands the dynamic between the daughter and the son, right? Everybody has these roles in relation to each other, right? Mm-hmm. And there's passages and rites of passages that people go to grow and to develop into these roles, but in America, none of these systems of things are in place. Yeah. And then you just grow up and you're supposed to pick right, a partner. But there are experts in relationships for a reason, mm-hmm. right? Because it's not easy to do. Yeah. So the idea that you're even equipped to pick your partner based on what you feel, right? In no other case in the world where you bet your success completely off your emotions, Mm -hmm. right? So when people be like, you know, they just feel for another person and you love them, and this is why I think the logic of love is is missing, right? Because what we talk about in those societies are more so arrangements based on logic, Mm -hmm. right? Not on emotions. And in our society, it's based on emotions. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we can say this supersedes logic. Mm -hmm. So we get the Romeo and Juliet story-esque. We get the fairy tale rebel against the whole family, even though they're telling you something logical. Yeah. <laughs> right. To go with what you feel. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's like we're we're groomed to make the wrong decision. Mm-hmm. Right. So the the marriages that are arranged, maybe they're not the best. Maybe they don't have the grandest romanticism ideas in it, but it does allow them to continue generations of family, keep wealth, like all the things that we want to do. Yeah. Those things are designed to do. Yeah. Right. These they, they have ships. Right. Like those are the states and the condition. These are the ships. How do you carry this on? Well, we have to arrange it. Mm. Businesses, there's arranges, arrangements, arrangements rather. And this leads me to this question of how much do family play a role? Right. And the determination of your partner in the sense that let's say your family doesn't agree with who you choose. Mm. Right. Do you think that a person should continue 
to, you know, stay in that relationship, even if the family doesn't agree that this will be a good fit. Because I think what people do is like, we're so individual that we say, well, I'm a part of the family, but when it comes to love, this is us. Yeah. But it's like, no, y'all have to fit in this dynamic together. Otherwise you start to create dysfunction, mm -hmm. right? Because now you're inviting a, a battle. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like, no, the husband don't like the brother or the, the, the stepmother now becomes like the evil, right, idea mm -hmm. in courtship. Like, yes, your stepmom. And it's like we set ourselves up for failure. Yeah. So what is a healthy way that family can have input in a relationship? What's a healthy way that you can even bring relationships towards family? And, and like, what percentage of that even matters to family input? So first I want to say, you know, so... I think the real goal we have to have is kind of combining some of the aspects of Western relationships and Eastern relationships mm -hmm. or non-Western. And I think what you, you were asking about the family, I was going to say that I think the key component in the arranged marriage is the father and the mother helping make a logical decision, mm -hmm. all right? And not just putting it on the woman or even the man to let their emotions completely guide them. So I think what we need more in Western relationships is family being involved. Well, we need more family units to begin with. I mm -hmm. think there's been a destruction of the family unit, the, the nuclear family, and that has caused even more problems in setting up healthier, better relationships. Now, the role that they should play, I do think there is a level of you, you, you want to make sure your partner fits into the family. But I have to be honest, the, the problem is there's so many toxic family members now that now you can't even rely on trusting their guidance. You can't even rely on trying to make your partner fit this dynamic because now their input is coming from trauma. Mm -hmm. Their input is coming from bias. Hell, I've seen mothers ruin relationships that their sons had because they felt like the woman was taking their man away. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because mm. to her, her son became her man. Mm. And now you're getting in the way and I'm no longer number one. So now I'm going to undermine this whole thing, not because this woman is bad for you, right. but because I have not dealt with my own issues to be happy for you coming together with some other woman. So as individuals, we do have to, this is why healing is so important because we have to be aware of, okay, are we, are we getting the guidance of healthy parents and healthy family members? Right, right. And if we are, we should consider what they're saying. But I also believe people have to realize in many cases, if you and your partner are truly good for each other and happy, most of the times people will at some point fall in line. All right? It's hard to fight against something that's very happy and right, successful. Right, right. But if they're fighting so hard, they're probably seeing something yeah, negative. Especially if it's unanimous. Exactly. And so you have to be honest and, and hold yourself accountable enough to say, okay, they can't all be wrong. There has to be an issue here. And I, and I do think that for a lot of people, I have to say even more so for women, I think women are capable of making the right decision if they would just trust their intuition. Mm. I do feel like women's intuition is very strong, very on point. The battle that women have is, they ignore their intuition and allow logic to come into place. Now, when we say logic, think of logic as limited knowledge, all right? It's based on whatever you've been taught and told. So if you've been taught and told that uh, uh, love shouldn't happen too fast, for example, and you meet this man, there's an amazing connection, and it's, it's moving like this. 
Well, to that woman, logically it says, no, this, something has to be wrong here. Even though your intuition is saying, this is the most amazing man I ever met. This is real. So she fights that. So I always explain to women, you, you got to learn the difference between intuition and fear. Mm-hmm. Fear requires logic. It requires you to analyze the situation, break it down. Well, this is happening. That's happening. So this must mean this. Intuition is free of logic. Intuition is you can walk into a room, everything looks great, and something's telling you, leave right now. And so women have that, but they've gotten detached from it. And they would just really tap into it more and get more in tune with their spirit. I do think they are more capable of making better decisions. Mm. That's interesting because I I feel like the opposite is for men, right? Mm -hmm. Like, when I see men make the wrong decisions on who they pick, they're going more off their feelings. Yes. Right? Versus their logic. Yeah. Bro, you know, because when you try to appeal to bros, <laughs> like, come on, bro. Like, you know she ain't right. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? So you start listing out all these things, like, come on, she done this, she got this going on. Like, come on, you know that's not right. So men ignore their logic, right? Every check mark that they can say, this is the reason I shouldn't be with her, I shouldn't do this. So we are ignoring our logic, right? Which is our power, mm-hmm. right? Our superpower is your ability to be able to think critically, right? To be able to step back and examine things and you ignore that for how you feel, mm-hmm. right? And that's when you become weak, yeah. right? And in that weakened state, you're going to make a weak decision, yeah. right? And so, you know, you're not going to pick, and this is where the family dynamics come in because it's like each person in the family could want something different for you, mm-hmm. right? They can want what's, what's, what they believe is best for you, Right. And then they can settle if they think you're making at least the best decision for yourself. Yeah. Right. So it's like mom may want you to be mom probably have for the longest holds the image of who she wants you to be and who she wants you to be with. Right. And what she thinks you deserve. Right. So the hardest thing I think is ever to satisfy moms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> because she's always had a fairy tale idea. I want my son to be with this type of woman. I want my daughter to be with this type of man. Mm-hmm. Right. So she's probably the hardest critic. Right. And then sometimes when they realize that you went through a series of bad decisions, they kind of settle their expectations. I just want you with somebody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, Lazy bring on somebody. Yeah, finally, I get yeah. a grandkid. Right. So. They're just, so you can't even trust that, especially when you've made a series of bad decisions and they settle their expectations on what they will agree is best for you. Yes. Right. And then when they have the fairy tale stuff. Right. Then that's much harder as well, because you can't meet those expectations. Mm-hmm. Right. So examining family and having these logical conversations. But it was almost such a even a healing thought to think about your family members like your mom and your dad sitting there and helping making the decision, right, from a healthy place of let me help find the right person for you, right? Like, in the ideal world, that feels great. Mm -hmm. Just that process, right? And, you know, parents, which are just regular people like you and I, have to advance in their ability to make a decision from a very healthy place, but also understand that children are custom. Yeah, exactly. We, we come in a world, you talked about, you can't just be anything you want to be. We are already something. We are already a canvas that comes with parts, right? Mm-hmm. We are genetics that we get from our mother and our father. There's memory stored. There's skills in there. There's trace characteristics. So you're already, you know, someone, right? Because you have a lineage of ancestry that you come from. So biologically, you should figure out who you are, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a step we never take. 
So the great customization of human beings is saying that, you know, most people, they look at astrology charts, right? But they'll never look at biological charts. They'll never take DNA, you know, sample tests to see what they're allergic to, right? Yeah. They'll never do cognitive tests to see their intelligent type, right? Or, or psychology tests to see their personality type. So you don't get this customization of a person strengthening their skills or strengthening their weaknesses, right? And saying that, okay, well, and even having a family history to know, you know, what skills are in the family, what, what, what things are in the family. Oh, you come from a family of creators or a family of construction workers, right? So we're not making informed decisions. So that's why the idea of it makes it hard for us to range our own lives because we're doing it from a place of ignorance, mm -hmm. right? And especially if we're doing it based on our family's trauma, because if you're born in poverty, they can want something for you, for everything that they didn't have, they're placing that emotion and you become their emotional support in your accomplishments, mm -hmm. right? So they can feel better about what they haven't done based on what you've done, which is not a bad thing because as a parent, it's an extension of self. Yeah. But you have to understand this is why they're doing it, right? In some cultures like Asian cultures, they definitely don't want to like disappoint their parents. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I, they go through a whole four years, eight years in college, just so that their parents are happy. And then when they get out, they do something completely to their degree. Mm -hmm. Now that to me is such a cognitive dissonance of, of life. It's crazy because I couldn't imagine putting myself in debt to make my parents happy that I get a degree and a cap and gown. And then afterwards I go a completely different route. Mm -hmm. Right. And this is where human beings and family dynamics and parents have to really sit back and you're making your child make a decision that's going to be a burden for them for the rest of your life so that they can make you happy for this one period in, in, in their life or in your life. Mm -hmm. Right. And so when we talk about healing, we have to know, you know, and, and this requires a lot of work. Right. Like shadow love. You know what I'm saying? Like it's easy for a person to like the person that's in the light. Because we all show up as who we think we need to be in that situation. We're tactical in that way. But that shadow love is saying that I want to know, like, your authentic self. I want to know, like, you have to even burden yourself of knowing what a person went through in order to love them. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, a woman unburdening herself and saying that she's been through molestation or something. She's been through problems and issues. You have to love her. You have to know that little girl. Right. A young boy going through traumatic. You have to love that little boy because that's what you're dealing with, that they've wrapped their personality and all these things up in front of you. But it's like that's the person you're going to deal with when they make mistakes. Yeah, that's the person you're going to deal with when you're trying to figure out why did they do that? So shadow love to me is that concept of examining, studying and observing to try to see beyond this person that shows up because that person that makes those mistakes that's the person that they're going to have to deal with when they're trying to reconcile who they are and how to become better. Absolutely. Right. So how does a person begin that, that shadow work journey? It, you know, it, again, it goes back to the healing because the, the, the shadow self is hidden behind the trauma, is hidden behind the suppression of emotions and feelings from all the negative experiences they've had. And the problem is the average person does not take the time to try to heal. And when they do try to heal, they they focus on the more recent occurrence. So if we're adults and they've been recently hurt by a relationship, they're trying to get over that relationship. But they're completely overlooking all the things that happened in their childhood. You know what I'm saying? Or the, the three relationships before that last relationship. Mm -hmm. And so 
it's difficult for a lot of people to go through that process so they shy away from it. Or now what you have is this phenomenon, unfortunately, where some people are going to therapy but they're not fixing nothing. Mm. It's just a venting Makes session. Makes you feel good, huh? Yeah, that's it. It's a coping mechanism. It helps them manage it to a certain extent. But this is why you'll have people who are in therapy but still get triggered all the time. Mm. And, and, and you'll have other individuals who try to validate it by saying, well, you're never truly healed. That's wrong. I, I don't believe right, that right. at all. I agree with that. You see what I'm saying? You can fully heal. If you're being triggered, you haven't gotten everything out of your system. Mm. So... We, we've got to be willing to embrace that process. You know, there's an exercise I start with with people, and it's called the who hurt me list. And so I tell people to get a piece of paper, write down who hurt me, the words who hurt me, and then ask yourself, who hurt me? Everyone who comes to mind, put them on the paper. Doesn't matter how long ago it happened. Doesn't matter if you think you're over it. Doesn't matter if you think it has no impact. If they come to mind when you ask yourself that question, there's some kind of significance there. And then write down like a couple sentences of what they did that hurt you. And so now it's our opportunity to kind of get the hurt out in front of us. Because, again, we've been suppressing it for so long. And some people will be shocked who comes to mind when they ask themselves that question. And so from there, we can really start to get into diving into each situation to finally find peace with it. Because I think the other problem we're having in this world is we, we don't understand that hurt is inevitable. All right. And you can't escape it. So what happens is you have these individuals who go through something and now they build up these walls to try to protect themselves. And I always say the same walls you have to protect you are the same walls blocking your blessings. Mm. So now you can't operate in a healthy manner in a relationship. Hell, some people can't even pursue their true passions and career because they're afraid to be successful. They're afraid to fail again. There's so many things now that those walls are keeping them from doing or from receiving. And so you've got to be willing to address what brought those walls in the first place and get to a point where you're open to all of life's possibilities in relationship, in purpose, in, in every aspect. And it's just a difficult thing to get people to do and so many people also don't understand not only the impact it's having in those ways, but the impact it's having physically on individuals. Mm -hmm. Like I always say, I always talk about how I've seen so many clients where they're eating right, they're exercising, on the surface doing everything right, and they get cancer. And now, you know, there's tons of reasons why you can get cancer. There's all kinds of chemicals and different things. However, the common denominator I have found in all those situations is emotional trauma. Mm -hmm. They're in toxic relationships. They have bad relationships with their mothers, their fathers. There's all kinds of toxicity somewhere else relationship-wise that has not been resolved. So people don't realize that's creating a lot of stress within the body that then manifests into physical ailments. Mm. So a lot of the anxiety, a lot of the depression, all these things are partially being brought on by unresolved emotional trauma. So we, we've got to heal, and that will, to me, that's the first step to finding our shadow self, to finally bringing it into the same person so no longer is it a shadow, right. it's just who we are. Right. You know what I'm saying? No, that's a lot of keys you drop, man. Just the, the physical, right? Like, you know, I was studying a little bit about the, the, the vagus um, nerve, right? Mm -hmm. That joint where, you know, when it, it's, it's, it's how we examine danger. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, let's say if you in the, 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 the jungle and you see a tiger. Right. 
that that nervous system is going to activate. It's going to alert your whole body. Like, yeah. yo, it's some danger. Like, you see as a tiger right there, like, bruh, like, I, I want you to feel this. You know, not just see, like, it's there. Mm -hmm. So it's going to put you in that fright or flight. You know what I'm saying? Like, your body has to prepare you for something that's coming, right? Yeah. And, and that's basically it's taking you through, you know, a supposed state of trauma. It's triggering you, let mm -hmm. you know something is happening. Now, let's say that, you know, that tiger just stays there and it's just circling you. It ain't doing nothing. You can't move. You're stuck. You can't make no moves, right? And that tiger is just circling you and circling you. Your body is going to stay, yeah. right? That, very, that, that nervous system is going to stay activated. It's going mm -hmm. to send them signals throughout your body. Don't you sleep. Don't you move. Yeah, like, it's serious right now. You are in danger. Yeah. That, to me, that tiger, that circles, that, that first incident when you see it, that's the trauma that happens and you have the traumatic response, mm -hmm. right? And until you are in a safe place, right, that nervous system doesn't shut off. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people are in this constant state, yeah. right, of fear and this constant state of fright or flight, right, because their nervous system never tells them, it never informs them that you're now safe, mm -hmm. right? So this is what we see when people have attitudes, they're triggered, they want to be touched, right? Because when you suppress that from an emotional and a spiritual standpoint, it's going to show up physically, yeah. right? That pain is going to show up. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's like somebody just walks up behind that dude that see that tiger, he goes, jump, like, what, mm -hmm. what the hell going on? Because that's in the state that he's in. So as we go on those journeys of healing, you know, in order to relax that nervous system, we have to put ourselves in better conditions. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Like, sometimes that trauma can still exist. A person was in it so long, they still see it. They're reliving the event. Right? So it's still happening. That person is not still hurting you. Right? You're just reliving the moment when they hurt you. Mm -hmm. Right? And this is what we do in life. We hold on to things. And we make the moment last longer than it has to. Absolutely. Because we don't know how to process things anymore. We don't know how to process information, emotions, right? Our journeys and 80% of what we go through is emotional. Mm -hmm. We have an emotional connection to everything that we do. 80% of our decisions are formed by our emotions and we don't even realize the emotional connections behind them. And without that emotional intelligence, we can't draw back into our emotional history to when we started to feel like that. Mm -hmm. So we don't even know why we feel like this and we don't even want to deal with that emotion. That's why men, you know, we, you know what? I ain't about to deal with that. Yeah, exactly. I'm just I'm gonna go straight to the logic. The heart doing too much talking right now. We're gonna go to the head. What you think up here? Yeah. Right? You know they put the, the devil and the, the God on the shoulders, but it's really the heart and the mind. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's the heart and the mind having two conversations. This is what you feel, this is what you think. What do you wanna do? Mm -hmm. Right? And so being able to as a man for me is like, you know, different type of masculinity, right? My father and my brother, they taught me traditional and hyper masculinity. Right. Um, I had to, to learn divine masculinity for myself. Right. Understanding the expression of our feminine yin yang and balance. Yeah. Right. Dealing with the emotion. Right. Shadow work to me is a very it's a very logical thing to do. But the process is very feminine in that essence that you feel so much emotion. Yeah. Right. And as you talked about the therapy, I think that's so true because the other day, like, I talked to the therapist, talk therapy, and it, it is more like a venting session, right? Mm -hmm. But I, I may be a more advanced patient because I'm going to study everything before I go in so yeah. I can understand what's going on. But when I went outside, took my shoes off yesterday morning in the sun, right? Nobody else is at the house, and I got that alone time. And I just sat there, and 
I was able to just sit back in the sun and just think over all of, like you say, the moments that hurt me, mm. right? The moments that I feel like define me for better or worse. And I started with the worst ones, right? Like moments where I feel like I, I may have not shown up as my best in there. I may not have been my most triumphant or things that I try to block out and not think about, right? Like things that I went through with family, right? that made me feel betrayed or shame or guilt, right? Like I dealt with all of them situations in life. I was trying, I don't know how many I missed, but I tried to go through <laughs> all of them. And the idea was is to not be fearful of what I find, right? And also realize who I was is not who I am, mm -hmm. right? Because I think people are afraid to examine because they think that they're still that little child. You know what I'm saying? That made that decision. And they can't reconcile between who you are now and the decisions you made and the reactions that you had at a time where you wasn't who you are now. Mm -hmm. Right. And so for me, that allowed me to say, OK, all of this is who I am. Right. But this is who I want to be and this is who I'm becoming. Right. And if I if I didn't have a growth mindset and if I didn't want to be on a healing journey, because this is a choice I'm making. Absolutely. Then, you know, this is me. The good part of myself is saying examine, become better and do better and learn from your mistakes. Right. So therefore, I can examine myself and, you know, um, we all are on a spectrum of narcissism. Right. I think people think narcissism is just the polarized version of it. Mm -hmm. Right. The the master manipulator. But self-absorption. Right. Everybody is on that spectrum. The I. Right. Mm -hmm. When we come absorbed within self especially when you didn't get the uh, attention that you believe you deserve younger, yeah. right? And so that then shows up, you know, as the ego and the self-absorption to make things about yourself. And men and women do that a lot. But just to that point of healing, man, that, that journey to me is something serious right now um, because it's growth, it's evolution, and the affinity that people have against change, the word change, it's connotated as if you're going against yourself instead of improving yourself. Exactly. So we fight to maintain who we are because it's like, this is the best version I've been able to come up with, especially based on what I went through. Mm -hmm. So they feel like change is you telling them to take the armor off. You know what I'm saying? Change is if you're making them weak. It's like, no, I want you to improve. Yeah. So take that synonym and, and add that onto it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I think people have to just to that point of taking that armor off or them thinking we're asking them to be something different. It reminds me of what I come across a lot when I encourage women to be more feminine. And I explain to them, I'm not trying to make you something that you're not. I'm trying to pull the real you out of mm. you. I'm trying to get you to get back in touch with who you were before the trauma, before all the negative perceptions, before having to do everything yourself and becoming so independent that now you struggle to walk in your femininity. So I do think people have to realize the difference between becoming something you're not and becoming who you were created to be, you know? And when we tap into who we were created to be, that's where we're going to find more peace, more happiness, more joy. I also want to mention, you know, to the idea of how men... When, when we kind of get more in our feelings about how we choose a partner, that's where we mess up. I think, so I think everyone, both men and women, but even more so, I think, with men, the key is balance, you know? And you kind of mentioned it when you said the duality, the yin and yang of the masculine and the feminine within us. Because I look at it as simply testosterone, estrogen. We all have both of those hormones. 
The simple fact is men have greater levels of testosterone, women have greater levels of estrogen. That's the same way I look at masculine and feminine energy. You know what I'm saying? But you still have to learn how to tap into the other energy Mm -hmm. in necessary moments. And so I think for men, learning how to balance those two and tap into those different sides when necessary, or what I like to call learning how to love in your masculine that's when we can now start to make better decisions. That's when we can start to show up even better in our relationships. I just think everything gets better because so many men, when they fall in love, they go all the way feminine. They may not realize that, but uh, uh, many of us, if not all of us, have been there at least once, you know what I'm saying? Where we just lose sight and we're just all extra emotional, needy, clingy, everything. Yes. Stop showing up to the fellas. (laughs) Exactly. And even if, like I know some people will say, well, don't try to make it seem like uh, being clingy is feminine. I'm not going to say that clingy is feminine, but clinginess in a man comes across as feminine. The same way a bad attitude in a woman comes across as masculine. But bad attitudes aren't inherently a masculine trait. You know what I'm saying? So sometimes it's just about how we make ourselves look when we act out in certain ways. And so a lot of that, though, is due to fear and a lack of understanding of our emotions. So the fear of, I may not meet another woman like this again... Uh, I'm just this lucky to have her. I'm afraid I'm going to lose her. And so because you're so afraid, you lose yourself mm. trying not to lose her. Mm. You see what I'm saying? But if you simply had the mindset of, okay, I'm going to show up as the man I need to be, love this woman, but if I have to walk away, I'm prepared to do that, it would completely shift the dynamic. Mm-hmm. So we just, I, again, balance to me is, is a huge key for yeah. men to tap into if we want better relationships and to make better choices of the women we deal with. Nah, you said you said something that was masterful, man. Just, you know, the, the balance of men, right? I think there's a lot of uh, repressed masculinity these mm-hmm. days, right? Men, um, it's, it's, it's society is saying that, you know, repressing your masculinity is the better thing for society, mm-hmm. right? And so men nowadays are not showing up in full expression of who they are, mm-hmm. right? They're not showing up boldly. Right. They're not speaking up. They're not being, you know, taking up the space that you would normally take if you know yourself. Yeah. Right. They're, they're taught to be more reserved and, you know, to be more relaxed because now there's all these fights against everything a man does. There's a new term for it now. <laughs> right. So you feel like you have being clinically diagnosed for being masculine. Yeah. Right. And me, I'm that type of person. I don't care. You know what I'm saying? It is what it is. I'm, I, I, my masculinity is not based on societal acceptance. Exactly. Right? It's who I am. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing for women. Unfortunately, they, so they, they, they I would say, um, in some instances, is the shutting on and off of the femininity is a weaponization of it. Yeah. Right? And it becomes a, a mechanism of defense. Yes. If you don't treat me right, I'm not going to be feminine. Right? Versus a man saying, if you don't treat me right, I'm not going to be masculine, mm-hmm. right? Doesn't make sense, right? Mm-hmm. Because we, we take these things and, and instead of us looking at femininity as a power, right, that it should always be on and using the femininity and not cutting it off is how you stay in your power mm-hmm. versus when you cut it off is when you lose your power, Right, because when do you feel the most powerful? When you're in love and you're energized, right? And things are going your way and you're feminine, mm-hmm. right? But you start to blame femininity 
for the, the, the lack of success in something. So you say, well, it was the femininity that got me in this. Yes. So I'm going to cut it off. Yes. Right? And so you start to blame femininity. Right? A man, sometimes a man may blame his masculinity. Mm-hmm. Right? But it wasn't the masculinity. It was your preconditions. It yeah. was your programming. It may have been your childhood trauma. Right? All of these different things, but we start to overgeneralize things and we look for villains, and the first ones that we come is, oh, this, this, this feminine thing I got, it's this masculine thing I got. No, there was a dynamic you seen with your parents growing up. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It was the game you were taught in the environment that you grew up in. It may be the music, the movies. It could have been all sort of different things. But without doing that work and saying that, all right, you know, how do I go back? And sometimes, you know, life is not always about you. It's just having some issues with yourself, and like, you just you know, roll the dice the wrong way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Things can happen. Like a person can be triggered by something and that old self can come up and show up and they did something that was against who they really are. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think that that's such an important idea, right? Like going against yourself, right? Is this concept of saying that this is who I am. You paint this picture for the world and society, right? And yourself to say, hey, I'm this person. I'm nice, I'm this, and we love to think better about ourselves than we actually are. We exalt yeah. ourselves in our mind. Absolutely. And I also think this is a thing we do. We exalt our parents in our mind. We exalt family members, friends, because everybody logically, like your family members, your moms would be like, she see your little friends. She know they some little badass kids. <laughs> she see them for who they are. Yeah. You think of them like, no, that's the homies. Like you yeah. exalt them, yeah. right? And so the things that they say have more meaning when you exalt them into a higher meaning. Mm-hmm. Same thing with parents. Your parents are human beings. They got problems, issues, traumas of their own. Mm-hmm. So you have to see them for who they are and not exalt them as like God, yeah. this deity, right? Because then you fear going against them. You fear the things that they say because you say, got to have meaning because this is who this person is. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think what we need to practice is going back and examining people. Right. Looking at who they are as human beings. Right. And bringing them down to where they need to be. Some people may still be exalted because they were just so good. They did things great. So you keep that place. And other people like, wait a minute, I have them too high. Right. I didn't see them for who they were. And this created this misconception of my relationship towards them which created a dynamic of my relationship towards myself, mm-hmm. right? And I've recently done that in life with my relationships. I just started to examine myself. I said, wait a minute, if I got to examine my true self and bring myself down here, I now have to examine my relationship with everybody in my life and see who was I putting in these positions they weren't supposed to be. And when I did that, it changed the feelings that I had connected to those memories with them. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm listening to so-and-so well, bruh had all kind of issues. I should never be listening <laughs> to his ass in the first place. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. damn, so I'm taking what he says serious for no reason. This fool was crazy the whole time. Mm-hmm. You feel me? I think it's a, it's a healthy practice, not just for the point of knocking people off a pedestal, but for that point of, you know, taking away those expectations, taking away those feelings and those emotions that you had attached to these heroes in your life. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And like these were human beings. Letting them down is not so bad. Absolutely. You know we saying? have to learn to exalt the action, not the person. Mm. Because the minute we exalt the person, as you, the point you made, when they fall short, we're now devastated. So mm-hmm. the, the root of so many people's trauma with maybe their parents or their fr- family and friends is, like I've heard people say, the, the people who were supposed to love me 
the ones who let me down. Mm. And it's like, but you're putting this expectation of love and always being there for you on human beings who are as just as flawed as you are. Right. And so once we start to, as you said, knock them off that pedestal, not in a negative way, in, in actually a way that's good for them too, because none of us want the pressure of being held to this standard that we can't meet 24-7. Man, and what's crazy preach. is we, as human beings, we, we, we have this natural thing where we, we, we're drawn to the negative, all right? And we highlight the negative more. So someone, and I'll and I think about like, let's just say you, for example, you could be living righteously 365 days, 364 days, 23 hours, and, and, and 60 minutes, whatever, right? And that little portion of the year, that 10 minutes, that one day that you do something wrong, right. people want to define your whole character by that. Mm. And now be so devastated because you made a mistake. They ignored the other 364 days you was on point. Right. You see what I'm saying? So sometimes we are... We're, we're holding this hurt and these expectations on people who, in honesty, have been great. Mm -hmm. They're just human. Right. And we, we have to learn to have more grace with everyone, you mm. know what I'm saying? And not take things so personally because, you know, it's the whole saying, hurt people hurt people. Mm -hmm. So a lot of, not even a lot of times, 99% of the time when people have hurt us, it is out of their own defense mechanism. It is not actually a malicious intent or desire to hurt us. Of course, there's some situations like that. But think, for example, you ever come across a, a mother who's overly critical of everyone. And in reality, she's not overly critical of everyone because she's trying to hurt everyone's feelings. She's trying to put the spotlight on others before they put the spotlight on her. Mm. I'm going to hit you before you hit me. Mm. You see what I'm saying? And by knocking y'all down, I can feel more valuable in this situation. But if I start praising y'all and uplifting everything y'all do, I have to look at myself and say, well, what have I done with my life? You see, so out of defense for not having to face that reality, I must find every little critical thing to use and hold against people. It's a defense mechanism. So once we start to realize these things are not really personal, we no longer need to internalize them. And it's the internalization of these uh, you know, past hurts and, and these different things that have been done to us that we now drag into our adulthood, drag into all these other aspects of life, and it creates all these different problems. So I, I definitely agree with the idea that we have to stop exalting people. You know, they, I, I just see it too much with even celebrities mm -hmm. and, and just everyone. It's like, yo, we're all human beings. Right. That's why I tell people, I'm, I'm just a young black man. That's, you know, doing things. I'm just working on myself. Like, mm -hmm. people, when, when you do, but that's the thing, right? Because, you know, we, we always taught or we're programmed to make people more than what they are, yeah. right? Because, you know, you are what you do in that essence to where when you see people do great things, you associate greatness with them. And we can be great in areas, but terrible in other areas, exactly. <laughs> right? And I think that's where the grace is not given that, bro, I'm a human. Like, mm -hmm. you forgot that part? Yeah. When we forget people are humans, that's when we exalt them up in this, this atmosphere that every, everything has to be perfect about them, mm -hmm. right? And that's an unfair categorization because that person never said they was perfect. Mm -hmm. You said that. So exactly. you let yourself down. They didn't let you down. No. You let yourself down. Right. And their moments of growth, they may let themselves down. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. right? But you let yourself down. I didn't let you down because you created expectations for them that they were never going to meet, mm -hmm. ever, mm -hmm. right? And because they were good in this area, you start to exalt them up here, right? And then when you found out a flaw, now you hate them. Yeah. Now you're mad at them. I'm so disappointed because instead of working on yourself, you put all of that exaltation in them as if who they are, right, absolves you, right? It's, 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 it's like you being absolved for your sins because Jesus is perfect, mm -hmm. right? So everybody becomes the new Christ in your eyes. And it's like, no, nah. you know what I'm saying? Don't, don't look at my greatness as a way of absolving you for your weaknesses. Yeah. And then if you find out that I have weaknesses, now you feel like you let both of us down. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> that's not how I'm living. I, exactly. I'm, I'm from Oakland, California, and St. Louis. I grew up in violent conditions. In the adverse childhood experiences, I rank very high. I've been through all of them. So that means that by faults and flaws and failures, right, those Fs you get, you know, I have to work on myself extremely Right. Because statistically, I'm not supposed to be successful. Mm -hmm. Statistically, if I didn't have a great attitude and I wasn't future oriented. Right. I would get stuck in the same lessons that everybody else is learning over and over and over. But I'm future oriented. So I go over something happens and I'm like, all right, well, what's next? What's going to be the future instead of me just living in this moment? Because what comes from that is shame yeah. and guilt. And most people don't know the difference. It's OK to feel guilt. And it's okay to feel some shame, but never live in shame. Yeah. Because, see, guilt is saying that, you know, um, I'm guilty of what I did. I'm aware that I did something wrong. Mm -hmm. And then shame is saying that I'm wrong. I'm evil. I'm not a good person. Mm -hmm. And that is sickness, yeah. right? Once you start to do that, you start to destroy yourself. You, there is no more grace. You can't go anywhere. Shame is the lowest human emotion that you're going to be able to feel. It's the most lowest vibration. So when people are walking around because they made a mistake and they did something wrong and they feel like they can't forgive themselves because they need to feel the shame, they don't know they're making themselves sick. Exactly. It's okay to feel the guilt. No, you did something wrong, but you're not wrong. You're a human being. Mm -hmm. So now you can start climbing up that ladder to get back to enlightenment, right? To get back to happiness and peace and stop allowing your body to stay in this constant state and associating yourself with negative behaviors. Mm -hmm. There's some people who are better at disassociation where something happens and they're not attached to what happens, right? They can mentally disassociate so that they can do all other things they need to do. Mm -hmm. Like if you just had to go on stage and speak and they told you a friend passed away and you're like, I can't deal with this right now. I have, to, I have to get this back to you. I have to disassociate from it. I need at least an hour to go out there mm -hmm. to do what I do or maybe transmute some of that energy on stage. When I come back, I'll pick it back up. Yeah. Right. And so there's a negative disassociation where you never deal with things and you're always disassociating. Trauma victims have this a lot. Right. When they go through things like sex workers, they disassociate from the act. Mm -hmm. Right. They're mentally not there. So it can be a tool that can be used for positive and it can be a coping mechanism during traumatic and negative situations. Mm -hmm. And disassociating is saying that I don't need to feel completely everything all the yeah. time. <laughs> like I need to be able to socialize, to move, to build and work. I don't constantly need anxiety and issues and problems on me at all the time. Right. So I practice disassociation from, you know, public opinion. You know what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, it doesn't shape me, right? It shapes your perception, not mine. And we have to stop trying to live by other people's perceptions, mm -hmm. right?
This is Billy Carson, a.k.a. Forbidden Knowledge. I want to see you on the highest level tour. That's going to be May 19th in Detroit. I'll be speaking there featuring Billy Carson, 19 Keys event. It's going to be amazing. Make sure you go to 19keys.com forward slash tour. And I just got done filming an amazing high-level conversation podcast with 19 Keys coming up very soon. Highest level tour is, you know, it's, it's a moment in, in history that we get to think about and relish in and be a part of. This is me proving my thought leadership. This is me implementing the ideas and reinvigorating the spirit that we're going to need. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. To win the future right now. Now, I wanted to talk about something. Attachment issues, right? Attachment styles. Because I was looking up something, right? And it was given a breakdown, right, on the different type of attachment issues that we can have. And it got secure, anxious, disorganized, and avoidant. Right now, in relationships, the, the so let's say, um, you know, these attachment styles and like inner childhood types, right, because I was just recently going over mine. You know, a lot of people may not realize that they have attachment issues. Right. So how does a person begin right to have healthy relationships? And most of it comes from your self view. Mm-hmm. If you have a very positive self view of yourself, it's easy for you, like you said, as a man to just walk away from something. Yeah. No, I love you, but I love myself, though. I'll walk away. Mm-hmm. You got a negative view of yourself. You have a fear. Right. Of walking away from things. So you become attaching. You latch on to anything that makes you feel a sense of self-worth. Yes. So how does a person go about that in a healthy way of developing, I guess, a positive self-view for relationships? You know, not to sound like a broken record, but again, it's just the healing because those that negative self-view is rooted in past trauma. You didn't just develop it for no reason. You know, for example, I had one client where her father would always tell her she's ugly and then told her she's good for nothing but laying on her back. Mm. So naturally, she was not the most confident. Naturally, she became very promiscuous because she thought that's where her value was. So if she's trying to now get a more positive self-view of herself, she's got to go back to that trauma that her father created with her and resolve that and detach from that and flush that out of her system. You know what I'm saying? As well as practicing. I think we, we're not conscious enough of what we're pouring into our minds and our spirits on a daily basis and how that conditions and programs our mind uh, into thinking certain ways, into behaving certain ways. So when we're trying to now find a more positive view of self, it means also taking an inventory of what am I taking in on a daily basis? What, am I, what words am I speaking? What am I saying to myself in certain situations? Mm-hmm. And starting to now correct myself. Because again, it's normal to maybe something bad happens and you might beat yourself up. But you got to stop yourself and say, no, 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 no. Let me just learn from this situation. How can I be better? Let me grow, move mm-hmm. forward. That's it. So it, it's all going to be about healing. It's going to be about also acknowledging and recognizing 
the unhealthy relationships that we are entertaining, mm. you know, and, and detaching from that. Because if you stay attached to those unhealthy relationships, well, it's going to be very hard for you to make the progress you need in this respect. That's why when people ask me, well, can I heal while I'm in the relationship? I'm like, it's possible, but it's very unlikely. It's very difficult for most people to do. Mm-hmm. Unless you are with a truly loving or mm. supportive partner, what tends to happen is if you're on this journey of healing, you'll take five steps forward, get in an argument with your partner, take t- 10 steps back. Mm. And you're just in this constant cycle. And then eventually you'll stop going to therapy or you'll, you'll stop this whole process of trying to view yourself better. And now you're living completely in negativity, in misery, in, in self-doubt. And, and, and in that attachment, you have developed with that individual. Because I always say a lot of people are not operating in love. They're operating in unhealthy attachments. Mm. And so you've got to be real with yourself about why am I even here? Why am I with this person? I can't tell you how many times I've gotten dudes. It's crazy that it's men. But men DMing me and the DM will be like, yo, man, I need help. You know, my girl, she disrespects me. Mm. She, she don't treat me I get right. get that same thing. You know what I'm saying? She don't do boom, boom. And then end it with how do I get her back? How, how do I keep her? And it's like, yo, so... You see it's bad. You know you're not happy. And Fellas, you're still trying to better. hold on. Y'all got to do better. <laughs> Leave her. Man. You know what I'm saying? Like, the term man up gets a bad rap. Yeah. But when you know and you have what a man is defined for you, right, in the best of ways, when a person tells you that, they're telling you to snap and take your power. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They're telling you to be who you are, who you meant to be. Mm-hmm. Be the man... If you were raised correctly, you were raised to be. Be the man that you know you can be, yeah. right? Because that repressed masculinity, that's man down. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, damn, Bray, you, you man down. You in the field. You got shot. Yep. Man up, right? And people don't want to hear that, and they say it like it's negative. And when you start treating men like they're boys and like they're weak, they start to have an image that they are weak. Yes. Wait a minute, you said that I'm sensitive? I am sensitive. Now you're stuck in this feeling and you're feeling weak about yourself because they gave you a new image to look at yourself mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. versus saying that, no, you're actually strong, you're powerful, you're emotionally resilient, actually. Mm-hmm. You have a great amount of emotional resilience to go through a million different things and still come out unscathed, mm-hmm. right? And this is the blessing that men have is that, yes, we can go through a lot of different things. And some of it is emotional resilience, some of it is repression. Mm-hmm. Right. But it gives you the time to become successful enough to where you can get to a point to where it's like, OK, now I can deal with it. Yeah. Right. And that's what this association does. Right. And sometimes it's repression where a person even forgets. Right. And they're saying, I'm not forgetting. I'm just I don't have time to deal with it at the moment. But when I do. I'm going to go into my garden. I'm going to take my walks. I'm going to find my therapy. I'm going to have those conversations. I'm going to figure out those outlets of how do I find that balance of expressing myself and these things that's been put on me, mm-hmm. right? Now, I want to get into this as well. Polygamy, right? So specifically Nigeria. Nigeria, 30%, 33% of marriages are polygamous. Mm-hmm. They have a, ne- a relatively low statistic when it comes to divorces as well, somewhere around 1.8%. The average man gets in a relationship around 27, the average woman around 20. 
Now, it said that in most large populations of melanated people, probably outside of Brazil, they practice a form of polygamy, right? Now, in America, the idea of bringing up polygamy is a trigger, mm. right? Because of our Western association with it. We don't have any movies on it to see it. We don't have any celebrity couples that you see that practice it. So therefore, you don't have any positive associations with it, right? And when people do talk about it, they talk about it in a negative light. Now, I want to ask you, if we look at statistics, relationships are failing. Yeah. There's baby mamas, baby daddies. Some people, dad got six baby mamas. Some people got seven with six different children, six different women, right? Mm -hmm. So that, you know, if, if you, you know, and, 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 you know, everybody knows this, right? Back in the, the 20s or 30s, there were men that had multiple families, right, that they were taken care of successfully, <laughs> but it was different, right? It was mm -hmm. a different era and a different time. They go to one town, they got their family over here with their kids in the other town, or they got their family over here. They just saying that they were doing traveling for work. Mm -hmm. But really, they was working on their whole other family that this family didn't know about. So for me, the idea is polygamy has always been practiced in this country, just not legally. Yeah. That's the only difference, right? It has never been legally practiced. And we are at a time now in day and age today where it's about, you know, you should not be ashamed for anything, right? So whether you do hoish behavior, whether you're big, whether, right, you do negative things, which is more on the women's side today, which <laughs> is, is, is saying that no matter what you do, don't feel shame for it. That's your new freedom, Yeah. right? Men, you still got to feel shame for the shit you do, mm. right? Because they're saying our, our, the things that we're doing is a reaction for you being shameless all these years. So now we want to express it and we find freedom in doing the negative things that you all have done or things that we associated negatively with masculinity. Now we want to take on those traits. This is our freedom, yeah. which I find crazy, right? Just because you can't heal in that process. It's not positive if you once associated to negative and now you do it and now you're changing the connotation, but you still see it negative and when somebody else does it, yeah. right? That's delusional. But back to the polygamy, I don't think that the average woman can have a conversation about polygamy logically without being emotionally stirred based on the way we've been programmed to look at these relationships. So in what sense do you think and especially when we look at the dynamics of statistics today, the failing marriages, the baby daddy, baby mama culture, the whole culture, all of these different things. Do you think that if polygamy was accepted out here, then we would have more successful families that could possibly help with? Well, it would definitely help with the marriage rate because, you know, what I mean, now you marry multiple people rather than one. <laughs> <laughs> so more people will be getting married. But it's like, what are your thoughts around that? And have you been seeing any trends that people are asking about it more and more open to it? So I'm, I'm skeptical that it would help only because I feel like people would not be going about it in a mature, healthy manner. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, for some people, they might say there's no such thing as healthy polygamy. But no, I think when I say healthy, I mean is the man actually going to provide for these women? Because you have some men yelling for polygamy, but what they really just want is access to multiple women. Mm -hmm. They don't want the responsibility of actually caring for multiple women and providing for them. So if that's your thing, then I can't co-sign that. You know what I'm saying? So if you're willing to provide for them, if you're willing to make sure, for example, 
you know, I've heard some men say, you know, if you have multiple women, multiple wives, but they're living in different houses, it's no big deal because the children doesn't really need the father there all the time. It's true and false. It's missing context. That's acceptable if you are providing a lifestyle where the mother can stay home with the child. Mm-hmm. Then, yes, there's an argument to be made that the father doesn't have to be present 24-7 for the child to be good. But in this Western society, where if she has to go to work and these children are oh, exposed yeah. to schools, TV, the phone, the way that they are, and they don't have that buffer of a parent that can oversee things, you are asking for trouble. Mm-hmm. That's going to be more dysfunctional children being raised. So to me, it's like, okay. But would it be more than what it already is today? Because just in the sense that the whole baby mama, baby daddy thing, right? It mm-hmm. literally makes for those parents, right? Let's say a man has two baby mothers. It's illegal for him to properly take care of both of them and to, you know, marry both of them. That mm-hmm. is illegal for him to do, which is crazy because now we have gay marriage and all these different things, right? But it's saying that, you know, and, and we often associate, like, we always go to the unhealthy version. And my idea of it is, you know, because I, I like to philosophize, think about yeah. things. Like, the idea of is what is the possibility of using it in a, in a possible good way based on where we already are. Because we're already practicing it in a negative way. And these are the shadow relationships, yeah. <laughs> right? And, and it's kind of like to your argument er- earlier of, when we talked about the arranged marriage, mm-hmm. even though the arranged marriage in my eyes isn't the best option, it's better than what we're doing here. So I think what you're saying is, okay, could this still add an improvement to our society based on what we're currently right. doing? And again, I think if, if a healthy approach is being taken, what, what I think we have to also put into context that even if we legalize polygamy, the majority of men are not going to be able to partake in that, all right? Because the majority of men do not have either the capability or the resources That's to get multiple fact. wives. And the reality is that polygamy, you know, when we talk about back in the days, kings having multiple wives, men who had multiple women were the rich, were the men of resources, were the men of power. Yeah. All right. So there's still going to be a lot of men who have to accept monogamous relationships. So I do think people have to understand yeah. that this would be bringing those two things together in a society rather than the whole culture going polygamous. It won't work if that's yeah, the no, case. It would definitely be an um, a, a upper-class societal practice. Yes. Right? And I think what happens is you got people that are, you know, of, of poor economic status wanting to practice things that are supposed to be reserved for the wealthy. Yes. Right? And it's wealthy because they can handle their responsibility, not because they're better people. Exactly. Right? And that's the association where people are like, well, they're not better, they're not good. No. It's saying that that man can actually provide for two families. Yes. Right? You can't provide for one. Right? So how do you want to go and start two families? Mm-hmm. Right? And so that's where I would say the responsibility and accountability comes in in that conversation is saying that stop trying to practice things that are not for you. Right. Because that's for the wealthy mm-hmm. and the amount of, let's say, in our culture, black men that make enough money to practice polygamy will be very low. Yes. Very exactly. low. Very. Right. Low. <laughs> so even if it was legal today, the standards and protocols for practicing it, we would have to make very high and saying that, wait a minute, only men who make this amount of money. Right. Should even consider it. Mm-hmm. Right. 
It's like telling a person you want to start two businesses at once, right? And both of them require a budget, right? And it's like, no, you need to put home all your focus and energy on making this successful, mm-hmm. right? But so if you're telling a person, no, go start those two businesses at the same time, and now you have to stress your finances to do both of them, you're not going to create successful businesses. Exactly. Right? And that goes with successful children, which are products of that family, and the family dynamic is a business. Yeah. So, and so ultimately, I think, so here's my thing. You know, I am a believer and pusher of monogamous relationships. Mm-hmm. However, I, I will admit, you know, the more successful men I meet, right, and are surrounded by, the more I understand the dynamic of polygamy, the more I understand how, you know, when you think about even, I, I look at it like this. If we're looking at this from a purely logical perspective, so remove spiritual beliefs out of this and anything else, a purely logical perspective, then polyg- adding polygamy into dynamic makes sense. Because you can also make the argument that you know, let's say the proportion of women to men is like 1.1 to 1, something mm-hmm. like that. It's not no crazy 5 to 1 like people want to make it sound like. It's like 1.1 to 1. So, realistically speaking, you could have that small portion of men who take up the extra women and everyone else would still have one woman, one man to right. themselves. So, again, it logically makes sense. And my thing is, as long as adults are on the same page agreeing to this, there's no lying, there's no deception, there's no right. playing games, then, again, it's hard to make a logical argument against it. The arguments more are more about what your spiritual beliefs are, you know, um, and I, I do think the one argument that can be made is that if we're looking at it from the perspective of are women really happy in polygamous relationships? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I would argue two things. It's very difficult for a woman who's truly in love with this man to want to be in a polygamous relationship with him, all right? Because she's less likely to want to share this guy. On the other side, it's also very difficult for a woman who's extremely desirable to want to accept a polygamous relationship because she has men constantly throwing at her the dream of, I only want you, monogamy, you won't have to deal with none of these other women in the household, you know what I'm saying? And that's going to be tempting to a lot of women. But there are, and that's not to say there aren't desirable women who wouldn't do it, it is to just say there, there are things to consider that would throw it off. And, I, and I, I have seen situations where like in polyamorous relationships where a lot of people who have engaged in that they, they are holding on to some past trauma. So they no longer trust monogamy. So because to them monogamy doesn't work, polyamory is the, is the route to take. Right. And because they believe in the concept that no one person can fulfill you anyway, why be limited to one person? Right. The only problem is, you know, I believe in connection. Connection is something that ha- rarely happens with an individual. So if you have, for example, a polyamorous relationship, there was a, somebody told me, this woman, that, a client of mine, she was polyamorous, and her dynamic was two women, one man. But it wasn't about her situation. She told me she was watching a show where this guy was married to this woman, let's say 15 years, an ex-girlfriend of his who was married gets divorced, they end up talking, they end up agreeing to a polyamorous relationship. And in that, you know, with polyamory, it's still a structure to it. Mm -hmm. There's still a, okay, we're only dealing with each other. No one else is allowed in this group. You know what I'm saying? Or some people expand the group, but they all have to be in agreement. Well, anyways, it was just them three. The wife, 
who's been there from the beginning, she runs into an old high school sweetheart who she experiences this connection with. Now she's sneaking off with this dude, having dates and doing little things. And so it, it kind of just shows the fact that how sustainable is this in the long run? Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? Now, on the flip side, again, the logical argument can be made, well, hell, monogamous relationships ain't always sustainable neither. They're having situations where people cheat. Is it really much different? So does that really eliminate the option? Granted, I, I, I concede to that point. But, you know, there are different aspects to consider. But again, I think uh, to wrap my point up, from a logical perspective, you really can't argue against why polygamy right. should not be allowed. Well, also as well, because people, when we talked about the beautiful women and things of that nature, it's also financial, right? Yes. If there's a small percentage of men who would be qualified for it financially, then that's, it's, it's like a person, people go into jobs that they hate. Right. Our parents and grandparents. Right. Traditionally, they were told to work jobs for like 40 years then retire. Mm -hmm. And some people were miserable at that job. But because of their financial situation, they stayed at that job that whole entire time. Right. And it's the same thing if, if a man. Right. Could provide a certain quality of life. Right. Then a the person saying that do I want to be with one person or do I want to be one of two or three person that's getting this type of lifestyle. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and so, so let, let me just say, so the so the that's what I should have mentioned more clearly. So the only time there's a conflict there is if the offers she's getting elsewhere are from equally financially right. well off men. So if if if, we're, if it's regular men competing right, right, against this rich men, man, on, right. yeah, a lot of them ain't gonna go nowhere. Right. But if she has a whole bunch of other millionaires trying to say, listen, I'll give you the same lifestyle and be the only one. Right. You want to deal with no one else? Now you have more of a conflict of, okay. and, and, and if they're equally yoked, too, because, yeah. you know what I mean, you may be financially there with him, but you may not be the same type of masculine that he is. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You may not be the same type of provider emotionally or spiritually or, like, she don't want to go with a, a, a rich simp worse than she had, like, a powerful <laughs> man. Like, yeah, yeah. nah, I'd rather be one of three over here than by myself with Joe. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but to another point, right? Cohabitation, right? Mm -hmm. In Brazil, 36.4% of couples practice cohabitation, right? Um, marriage is, divorce rates out there, I think, is two, is rising 2.8 out of every 1,000. Average man get married around, I believe it's 28 to 36 or 30, right? When men and women. But cohabitation, essentially, where you're living together, but you're not married, mm -hmm. right? And there's a lot of people that is rising in a concept that they don't believe in the construct of marriage, the legal documentation and binding in a court of law, right? Mm -hmm. And I believe that what it does for a lot of people is it relieves them of the stress of the idea of divorce, right? Because there is a lot of trauma connected between seeing our parents divorce and then just not believing that the construct of marriage and documentation and its binding orders, right, is the best, right? Mm -hmm. It hasn't been reconstructed in a long time except for gay marriage where men and men and women and women. So what do you think about the idea of successful cohabitation without marriage for a long-term partnership? So here's my concern or the argument I, I make against that. We have to understand that at the core of marriage, once upon a time, it was a trade-off of uh, the man will provide the woman with security, all right? 
security of resources, being taken care of, while she provides him with the benefits of a woman that will take watch the kids, provide for him sexually, all these things. As modern, the modern world came into play with dating and basically making boyfriend-girlfriend relationships essentially marriages without the paperwork and getting all the same benefits, that has taken away from the need to actually get married. But the problem is the man can still get his benefits. The woman no longer gets her security, mm. all right? And so now, in the long run, again, it becomes a question of how sustainable is this? You, you commonly are not going to find relationships happy, successful, strong over 10, 12, 15 years, but they're not married. Usually, if, it's, if they've been together that long, they're constantly fighting. Right. It's constantly some nonsense. And really, she reaches a point where she's pushing for marriage. He's still dragging his feet or is finding a way to drag it out. Sometimes it's happening on the flip side. Sometimes it's the woman dragging it out. But either way, it's, it's very difficult for the average woman to accept cohabitation without marriage because there's no security being provided. She doesn't know if at any moment you could leave her and she has nothing. So I, I do understand, though, that because government has gotten involved and the laws written for marriage and divorce, they need to be fixed, number one. Right. I, I think... Because I think divorce is what scares men. Yes. And I think we need to, we need to not fight the, the construct of marriage. We need to fight the laws they have in place or impose when it comes to divorce. That's a fact. All right? If we fix that, then we could be okay. So if you as a man don't want to get married, I still think you still have to at least enter into some kind of legal contract with this woman. So essentially, if a man and woman want to cohabitate without marriage through government, they still should sit down and say, okay, in case such and such happens, this is what we'll keep. If I pass away, you will get the... Let's lay it all out. So it's essentially still marriage, right. but it's but under it's their construct. jurisdiction, not the, the government's jurisdiction. So to me, that would be the, the better route if we don't want to just get married anymore. But I think even better but, but, would be fighting and changing the laws. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And because of the dynamics have changed a lot where there are women that have money now, right? Yes. And then they get with men that have money. It makes cohabitation much easier because she's not financially relying on him. Exactly. Right? So she feels that I can leave and I still have this safety net, right? Versus if I leave, I don't know what I'm going to do. Exactly. Now, granted, when, you know, couples do better when they do live together, number one, in this financial society where inflation is rampant, rent is constantly increasing, finding somebody to cohabilitate with is just good economics, mm -hmm. right? It just makes the most sense because the woman in those relationships definitely gets a lot of benefit in the sense that she automatically, to me, gets a wealth increase, mm -hmm. right? If she doesn't have to spend her own money, she can save her own money, yeah. right? And if she's financially intelligent, then she can invest that money. Mm -hmm. So she actually gets a greater opportunity to make more money than the man, mm -hmm. right? Because let's say if she's making money, you're making money, and you're a traditional man, then you're going to take care of her and provide for her. That means bills, that means gifts, that means trips, that means rent, all of that. So guess what? She don't have to do that. And she's making her own money. Now she can save and she can invest. So she can increase her wealth just by being in a relationship. Yeah. So 
this this then levels the playing field of what the dynamics of relationships do for both parties, mm-hmm. right? It becomes more equal. Now, some men say, well, that sounds good, but if we're not getting that feminine women, right woman, <laughs> then shit, it sounds like she get more benefits than I am. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So then he says that, okay, do I just want a roommate that I have benefits with? And in the end, because the way you just laid it out, keys it, well, I got to rethink this thing. <laughs> but... But, you know, I'm always thinking. I'll be thinking for us, fellas. Uh, for ladies, I want y'all to understand this. But it's like if you get into that same thing, a man thinks about divorce in, in negative ways. Like, damn, if if he gets with a woman and let's say she wants to leave. She feels yeah. like, I got in this relationship. So anyway, I get in a job. I'm going to spend my time here. I do a little tenure, do a little tenure, right? Then I get divorced and then I can take half of what he has, mm-hmm. right? And so a man like, well, damn, that's not fair. That's the way men feel, right? Because then they can be put on, you know, like you're talking about the system of divorce, child support. All of these things create these negative associations and it drags out the process of healing for relationships as well. Yeah. Right? So if you have a baby mama, she puts you on child support. Now that whole relationship is still triggered this whole time. Every time you pay a payment, you get triggered. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, no, I hate her. You know what Uh, I'm saying? Like, you uh, feel that. Right. Versus you taking care of that child. Um, But then I also understand the dynamics of a woman having security right in that relationship. In the Quran, it teaches that a woman should save money. She should have her safety net. Mm -hmm. You should never set up your situation where you're completely dependent on anybody. Mm -hmm. Right. Financial dependence is dangerous for that particular reason. And in this era of teaching financial literacy and intelligence and also being feminine, I think it's key because if a man is willing to participate and play his role, and men are more traditional, women are more progressive now. Mm-hmm. Men say, no, we like the traditional standards of relationship. I'll be masculine, I take care of things. You're feminine, you take care of your side. Women say, nah, I want to be masculine and feminine. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, I only like your feminine side. So <laughs> you got to choose. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. And some men, they just go along with it because they like, well, I don't really have the privilege of not getting a masculine, feminine woman. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Well, more wealthy men say, I'm only going to go for a feminine yeah. woman. So all of this philosophy, progressiveness, you can come up with all that you want, but you're just not for me. Mm-hmm. Right? And so this is why we have more nuances of things to think about in relationships where in simpler times, the dynamics provided us with an arrangement. Right? Men take care of, women do this. Mm-hmm. So in a sense, society was arranged. Yeah. Now we have a plethora of dynamics to even think about Right. And, and this goes me to my next thing in Japan. 30 percent of young people between 18 and 30, uh, 34 are not in romantic relationships. Right. And they have uh, increased to 2.8 percent. Uh, one out of one thousand of uh, two point eight people out of one thousand are getting divorces. And that number is constantly climbing. And I'm seeing this new age of men not wanting to be in relationships at all. And some men are choosing not to even have a partner at all and not mm. think about long-term love at all. And the same thing is happening to women, right? Like, and I want to understand the dynamics of the effects that this can have on society because, you know, we went through a baby bus where population decline started to happen, and especially after COVID. People don't want to get into marriages, of course, because uncertainty about financial futures. We're in a time of some of the highest anxiety the globally people are faced with because of not knowing what's going to happen. And then women are giving new options such as 
fertility clinics, right? Artificial insemination, things of that nature. And there's the rise of technology that says you don't need a man, mm -hmm. which is just a construct of capitalism saying that we're going to create a product for you that feeds into your idea so that we can sell you a product and make money. Right. So I believe that we are facing a infertile future. We're facing a future where, you know, there's going to be just uh, um, uh, men and women who go their whole life without ever experiencing love. Mm -hmm. Right. Without ever saying they need love. They want a marriage. They want anything. And I'm stating these statistics because this is a global phenomenon that's happening around the world. Yeah. Because of media, because of the Internet. Right. And of course, comes down to this number one, social media, mm -hmm. right? So in the last, you know, 100 years, the dynamics have changed. I always tell the story about my parents, how they met. My, mom, my dad had to send my mom a letter. He was locked up. So <laughs> he had to send her a letter to get her attention. And, you know, it kept coming to the house. Um, and uh, she never received it because my grandmother was hiding the letters the whole time, <laughs> right? Because, of course, she didn't want her to be with... You know what I mean? A felon, yeah. right? But when she found the letters, she seen the handwritten expression of love. And my pops is very good in his written expression. And so, you know, that's how I came about. But I think about that because microwavable results is destroying, right, the ideas that we have for the process, mm -hmm. right? When you can instantly DM the most beautiful woman in the world and have a percentage of chance of getting an actual response, it changes yeah. versus you having to send a letter, right? Or try to go through the parents to reach the daughter, yeah. right? Or y'all got to walk and meet each other to have conversations, right? Or, or you have to send like a letter with all your thoughts, expressions, emotions, feelings. Now all we need is tactics for each other. We don't really need strategies for each other. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? A strategy, you got to like really think about a way you're going to love this person and get this person. The tactic, I... Let me just say this fly shit real quick. You know what I mean? <laughs> Whisper these sweet nothings. Let's see if this get a response. And because mm -hmm. women are in this phase of, shit, I don't care either. I like the sweet nothings. Let me trick myself long enough to be with you to get a few desire. Then we both go our ways and I go through the process of healing myself again. Mm -hmm. Right? So how do you see social media affecting the long-term health of relationships? It is definitely deteriorating relationships. It's definitely having a significant negative impact. Um... I think I want to rewind back a little bit because I think that I see the decline of men wanting to engage with women, um, having sex, all these different things as one piece of it. One huge piece of it to me is the record low levels of testosterone mm. men have nowadays. And when your testosterone is low, you're less driven, mm -hmm. libido is low. You don't have the same desire. Then when you throw porn on top of that, where all, all that self-pleasuring, it only takes the fire out of you even more. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So there's no reason to now go out and try to meet a woman or even go online and try to slide in the DM because you already, you know, handled your right. business watching something. And you're done for the day. Dang. And then you're doing it again the next day mm. for some of these guys. So I do think beyond social media, just a lot of the conveniences that we have now are hurting us a lot. Uh, but I do think social media and the internet in general is a problem. I also think because what's happening is people are now framing relationships in this idealistic way and not a realistic way. That's a fact. And so you'll have all these shows, podcasts, having dudes think 
that every woman wants a six-figure man and that you got to be six foot and all this other stuff, right? But the vast majority of women in relationships are with a man who don't make six That's figures. That's a fact. All they're doing <laughs> is increasing the value of these ideal men that does fit that criteria. Exactly. But that's not what people realistically end up with. Also, what they're not taking into consideration is we as human beings are more critical of each other online than in person. Meaning, mm. if you see someone online, you have time to sit there and analyze their whole picture, analyze their whole page. You find one thing wrong. Nah, I ain't going to talk to her. Nah, I ain't going to talk to him. Yeah, yeah. But when you meet in person, That's a fact. your brain goes to what you're attracted to. And so now you actually embrace them more. Like, I'm sure, I know I've experienced it. There are people I've seen online that I was like, yo, I wouldn't talk to this person. Meet them in person. I'm like, yo, right, I'd right. meet them in person. That's a fact. And the flip side. And the flip plus side, you look yes. good. That filter off. <laughs> yes. Who are you? Exactly. <laughs> Completely different story. So I think online and social media is blinding us to reality. And we, we have to get out of it. Like, I, really, I'm hoping, I don't know if it'll ever happen, but I really want to see, like, more events whether it be clubs, I don't care if it's clubs, networking events, more events where men and women can meet in person. Yeah. I feel like the that will create tour. better relationships. Or that would help people start the process of establishing better relationships. Because all this online stuff is, yeah. is nonsense. You know what? I'm going to do that. I'm going to do some high-level uh, relationship events. You know what I'm saying? You got the high-level men come out, high-level women come out, mm-hmm. come up with some sort of criteria and you know they're going to be there's going to be some kind of common denominator of interest. Yeah. Right. But it, it brings me to this point as well. So we know, of course, the famous statistic in America: fifty percent of divorce, uh, uh, marriages end in divorce. Mm-hmm. Right. And now there's a new statistic that's on the rise. You know, seventeen percent of new marriages are interracial. Right. Mm. And there's this idea that we can escape the challenges and the traumas by going to something different, yeah. right? That what I experienced with a black man, you may not experience with an Asian mm-hmm. or a Mexican or white, right? And what I have noticed though, what end up happening is that we settle for different things in other races than we do our own, yeah. right? And so it, it, what happens is you end up changing more in that relationship, yeah. right? And you're different. You're not showing up to that white man the same way you show up to that black man. Mm-hmm. You don't even have the same expectations for him, right? His little caressing and saying, I love your hair, now is a fetishized, more bigger thing than a black man saying, I love your hair, mm-hmm. right? And we see this being over-sensationalized, and we're, this is like this new fetish love. I want to create this little light-skinned Drake kid, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> That's what they be doing. They want the little Kanye, Kim K, you feel me, mixed North Star going on, uh-huh. right? And I had the thought about, you know, and, and I'll bring up the next point in a second, but it's like this whole, you know, and we can enter Dr. Umar in the conversation, Because, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I, um, I know my thoughts on it. I don't, there's enough beautiful melanated brown cocoa butter, you understand me, <laughs> magnificent, elegant, glazing, eye-quenching, beautiful, soul-thirsting black women in the world where we never have to look past her, mm-hmm. ever. 
it's and I know some of my bros that follow me, you know, they might be at the Snow Bunny Ranch right now. <laughs> they might be mad at me. But listen, I'm gonna say it what it is, because I want my son to look like me. Mm-hmm. Right? So it would only make sense for me to mate with a woman so that I can have a son that's like me, right? Mm-hmm. To give him the same opportunity of knowing himself like I know myself, right? If I was to get with a white woman, how can I raise him and get him a consciousness and understanding of, right, what it's like to be interracial, mm-hmm. right? And I believe that some of these forms of love, because I, I agree with Dr. Umar when he talks about it being a business and that, you know, when, especially when we talk about wealthy men and they taking that wealth and they're passing it into, right, white families, brown fam- whatever type of family you pass into. And what people always go to is love is love. Now, the statement to me means nothing, right? Because it's just a reiteration of the first point of the statement, mm-hmm. right? It's saying black is black, yeah, right? Yeah. There's nothing you're actually saying. But these were PR release propaganda statements that people started to take on, right? Because now it means you don't actually have to have a logic for the things that you do, mm-hmm. right? We giving you defense statements for your action. If somebody questions it, just say, love is love, Yeah. right? And I believe that statement was started by Facebook, right? When they were doing the, uh, when gay marriage had passed, yeah. right? And it was a social experiment to see if people would change their avatars and people start putting out these captions and now people use it for everything. And these sort of um, paradigm quotes and PR quotes are spread around to defend all sort of behaviors. Mm-hmm. But the idea of building generational wealth, the idea of self-love, right? Because black love is self-love, right? I love myself so much, I want somebody who's a reflection of that. But when we come from dysfunctional families and orders and things of that nature, we have a society that's no longer based on needs, but desires. Mm -hmm. So therefore, the way that we're picking is based on everything we desire, nothing that we need, Mm -hmm. right? And we're not thinking of ourselves as part of the collective We're individualizing our experience of love. So therefore, it doesn't have to benefit the whole. It only has to benefit me and what I feel at this moment. Mm -hmm. But the idea that you're going to get something better or easier, right? Because for me, when a man looks for the easy love, he ain't in his, he ain't in his masculinity. Mm-hmm. And I ain't saying that, you know, you, you look for the strong black woman to challenge you. I ain't got time for all that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We were taught gentle challenge, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's going to help you make you who you are, but not like fight you. Yeah. Right? But today, that interracial, you know, thing is constantly increasing. And uh, we're not really seeing... And this is what most people don't look at. Like, what are the statistical models that say that the things that we're practicing now are better than the things that we practiced? Mm -hmm. Because we're giving up constructs to create new constructs that may not be better constructs. But what are your thought processes on interracial dating and why it's on the rise? So, honestly, so first thing is, I, I don't like the love is love statement either. Because I feel like it's masking what the real issue is in many mm. cases. However, true love, if something is gen like if two people generally fall in love and they're of different races, I cannot in good conscience speak against that. Mm-hmm. All right. 
but I don't believe the majority of these situations are true love. The same way I don't think the majority of even black on black relationships are true love. There's a lot of, the majority of relationships are two people who have stronger feelings for someone else, mm. okay? And have chosen this person due to circumstances, due to, or I'm, I'm tired of being out in these streets, I need to settle down, this person's been around. There's various things. Or settled attachments. Love. Yes, settled love. And so, and so to me, when it's settled, when it's attachments, it's not even really love. It's just attachments or settling. And, and we're just trying to, we're trying to mimic love. We're mm. putting on the costume of love. Right. But love is not the true energy, the true spirit driving that relationship. And so, so when we talk about interracial relationships, what I don't like is when people start to get in the mindset of it's better elsewhere. All right. That, that I have to intentionally go date these, this other race, these other group of people, this other country of people, because it's better there. That typically is a reflection of there's things within yourself you're not improving and working mm. on. And had you worked on it, because when you said there's, you know, there's beautiful brown melanated sisters, what popped in my head was that's easier for us to say. Because we are men who are walking in our truth, walking in our purpose, walking in our masculinity, we experience the better versions or the cream of the crops, or mm. we experience that greatness within our culture, right? I it's love the this same way. This delusional experience. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because it's the same way you'll have men say, uh, you know, black women aren't feminine. And listen, I'm not gonna lie to y'all. Do we have a problem within the black community of a, a, a greater level of negativity and trauma? Yes, we do. And it's affecting both the men and the women. The difference is that negativity doesn't necessarily make men less attractive, all right? Because even in you, what some may call hyper-masculinity or whatever, he can still come across desirable because it doesn't pull him away from masculinity. It only makes him look less desirable when he has that moment of vulnerability when that wall comes down and he shows deep inside he's a mess now he looks bad mm. whereas the woman the negative energy pulls her away from her femininity so it works against her more than it works against the man but it's affecting us both you see so what so with that said i do think but when people when guys say there's no fem feminine black women i'm like yo the the men that i know all get feminine black women. That's a fact. You see what I'm saying? But again... They're not feminine for you. They're, they're being selectively feminine. Yeah. So, selectively Selective feminine. feminine. And so I think... So there's two, two ways to look at it. Because I do believe that a masculine man naturally pulls more femininity out of a woman. Period. But I don't want women listening to this to think they can scapegoat that by saying... I will be feminine when the masculine man right. arrives. Selective femininity exactly. is toxic. Yes. She has to walk in it because that's what will attract us in the first place. Because for those of us who can get it and we now can see the difference just looking at you, we won't even entertain right. you anymore. And you got to stop doing this because you're making all the other brothers jealous. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So they be like, well, keys is easy for you to say because they show a feminine to you. So look, I need y'all to show a feminine to everybody mm -hmm. so that they can get the experience that I get. Yeah, and, you know what I'm saying? And what women have to understand is don't stop being feminine just don't entertain the men who show themselves not worthy of it. Mm. You see what I'm saying? So continue to walk in your power because the minute you turn it off, you now shut off the masculine men from coming your way as well. 
So you're only working against yourself. But back to the earlier point of men thinking there's no feminine women, it's like, no, if you are not experiencing the feminine woman, you are not walking in your masculine energy, all right? And as a woman, if you are not experiencing the masculine man, you're not walking in your feminine energy. There's something you're overlooking. So before we go look to everywhere else, we have to look within ourselves first. But something I want to bring up that I learned, like it was maybe 10 years ago, I got flown out to this dating, um, one of the big dating app sites, right? That's been there for a long time. I don't want to say which one, but they flew me out. It was me and like 11 other coaches. I'm the only black person there. And they had this whole presentation and they gave us the breakdown by race of basically who's getting the most messages and who's getting the least. And the unfortunate truth is black women and black men mm. were the least uh, desirable on the dating apps. Wow. Okay. Now, I think many will agree that black women and black men are very sexually desired, but they're not desired relationship-wise, mm. okay? And again, we can't just think everyone else is the problem. We have to ask ourselves, wow. okay, what, what is in our branding? What is, what is it that we are doing or how we're showing up that's causing this perception? Now, again... You don't have to buy into that because as individuals, we will have our individual experiences. And again, there's plenty of black men who are very desirable, don't have these problems. Same thing with black women. But as a whole, in general, on average, we do have an issue. And I believe that the big issue is that negative unresolved trauma. Mm. We are the race. We are the community that shunned therapy for the longest we said, you don't need to go see nobody. Go pray about it. Oh, you're okay. We did not embrace put investing in our mental health. So it's not shocking and surprising that we've developed the most negative energy now, that we've developed the most trauma and, and, and ongoing issues that now play itself out in relationships. But also, when you mentioned how when people do date other races, they're showing up differently. I 100% agree. But I'll also argue that on the flip side, that other race is also responding differently. Mm -hmm. So what oh, I mean absolutely. is like, let's just say that it's the black woman and now she's, at, she's a little softer now with this white man. But when she has that moment where she goes off on him, he doesn't meet her with the same level of aggressive that the average black man might. He kind of just takes, all right, you know, baby, it's okay. Like he just, you know, accommodates her and they get through it that way. So some of them are still experiencing those things that the black man is complaining about, but how he fights back, so to speak, doesn't pour more fuel on the fire. Well, that's, that's, a, that's actually the correct way to respond. Yes. Because for you... To a certain extent. For you to allow anything, with my experience, with dealing with women, right, and the mindset of... With women, it's about the flow of energy, mm -hmm. right? And with men, it's about coming to a conclusion, right? And so in that statement, in that argument, she may be bringing up one thing, but it's the underlying emotion and energy, right? And what she's saying right now is a representation of something she felt earlier, yeah. right? And so to argue the points that she brings up is not actually going to the underlying emotion or feeling or energy that she really has for this, mm -hmm. right? So when you are staying in your masculine versus responding 
right, in a negative manner or allowing it to draw you out of character, right, then you are failing to see what she's trying to communicate, right, about her feelings. Mm -hmm. So that's why in the response it's, it's saying that, okay, they mad at me, can't be mad about that. Okay, so what's the feeling? You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. sometimes she may need a hug. Yeah. Sometimes it's, it's because you haven't shown her any love throughout that day. Mm -hmm. Right? You, you may have not gripped the cheeks or something. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's real life. And, and she like, instead of telling you you ain't gripped the cheeks, she, she going to be like, why you always think I need to make food for you? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so it's showing up in other areas. And yeah. that's why I say, as if, if, if you want to have that enlightened masculinity it requires you to think beyond the response of the moment yes absolutely. right to see what's the underlying feeling the underlying emotion but you in a relationship the same thing in a conversational flow with a woman you have to keep the vibes going mm -hmm. when the relationship gets to a point where there's no love no energy whether it's hateful energy whether it's loving energy there has to be something there because once there's no energy and we just there then that's a loveless life and that's not worth fighting for or keeping, yeah. right? And so that dynamic, I think, is important. But I can see how you give the graces given when people get into these interracial setups, right, to where they don't believe that the same trauma is in the relationship. So the ideas that a man have, black man have about a black woman, she's this, that, and the third, this is the history of black woman, this is my mother, my auntie, blah, 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 none of that is there. When he gets with a so-called white or Asian woman, he's thinking of completely different dynamics that he's dealing with. Yeah. So when he when she gets angry, he's not attaching it right to the history of knowledge that he believes that he possesses on black women. Yes. Right. And he's not responding with that knowledge in that moment. Yes. So there's more grace given. And then that same thing is saying you we generalize each other because we think we experts on each other. Mm -hmm. Right. But you're generalizing me based on your history. That's not me. Right. So therefore, you're responding with all of this. You're responding with all your past relationships, everything you know about black men, what you just heard on TV, that meme you just read. It's like yep. none of that's me. Respond to me as me. Exactly. What you know about me. Not what your friend told you. Not none of that. And we don't give each other that grace. That 100 percent. We're projecting the negative perceptions we have of the entire group onto that one individual. Mm -hmm. And because we don't have that same negative perception of the other group. We don't react the same. I also think that we can consider the fact that for some people, interracially dating is like their last hope. So it's essentially, they dated within their race. Yeah. It hasn't worked. I say, you know, that's where black men go to retire. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and so when you're in retirement mode, it's almost like you give more grace because I got nowhere else to go after yeah. this. So I've got to be more patient. I've got to be more understanding because if this don't work, what am I going to do? And if my mentality has been, it will be better here than it was there. And now this blows up in my face. I give right. up on life. Right. You know what I'm saying? It, it's a wrap. But what they usually go in with the attitude, I will be better. And it's almost like uh, I'm going to do the things that I did. I'm going to recognize that and not do those things. Yes. Right. And, 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 and which brings me to the, my point of the new thing that's going on with the passport bros, right? <laughs> the passport bros, man, they getting in one of these oh, and they're going overseas <laughs> because what they, what they have been saying that their money is going longer and is providing stronger. So they're going over there and finding what they consider to be some of these traditional feminine women mm -hmm. who come from these countries that 
you know, are still in the construct of the roles that our grandparents and, and parents told us about, and they're not so-calledly finding the same issues that they have with American women. Mm -hmm. Now, there is something to say. If you haven't traveled, you may not notice the attitudes, the beliefs that Americans have, right? If, if you are not a global citizen, you probably never travel to another country to see that flow, yeah. right? But if you are a man that has been struggling in America and you go to another country, right? Let's say Ethiopia, right? I'm not going to say none of the Asian countries they traditionally go to, mm -hmm. but let's say you go to <laughs> Ethiopia and you go out there and you see the Habashas and the Eritreans and stuff and it's just beautiful out there, but they're more feminine, mm -hmm. right? They're more submissive, if you would say, and they're more versed in the natural role of family and culture and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. So what you would thought you, you're probably going to go in thinking you're going to have the same challenges that you have with American women. And then you're going to be like uh, pleasantly surprised, like, wait a minute, she kind of like exhausts me, makes me feel like a man. Like mm -hmm. she's doing those things I, I dreamed of. I didn't know what was possible. So that's, often, that's also going to let all your guards down. Yeah. And you're going to show up probably better for her because you're like, yo, this is amazing, mm -hmm. right? So this passport bro phenomenon is the globalization of the dating pool, yeah. right? And that sometimes our traumas are too local and we're too close. Right. To be able to have a healthy dynamic in relationship. Right. So I often think about that. Like, you know, first of all, I want your thoughts on the passport, bros. Then the idea of the globalization of love. Right. So we, we got people from all different backgrounds. So even when we talk about interracial, that means Asian or Mexican. Right. That means, you know, Jewish and I don't know, Puerto Rican. Right. This mm -hmm. this this is not just black and white. Right. So those are those that are there. And most of the passport bros are, I believe, like young middle-aged white men or younger white men because, you know, they look at this new society as there's a lot of hatred for men. And there's a lot of misandry these days, especially yeah. in the rhetoric of the propaganda, right, as, as you push it. But the idea that passport bros, the globalization of love, because I remember thinking when I first went to London, like, hmm, you know, there's certain things that whether you're fetishizing about them, you know, and you think that they're exotic, right? That you, it makes it easier for you to fall in love because it puts your guard down. The mm -hmm. difference of accents, right? The more traditional roles. For men that's trying to maintain more traditional masculinity, outside America fits more for you, right? Yeah. Because the inside of America is going to a place where it's unrecognizable. And when there's a lot of women who are agreeing with the new progressive orders, men are be having less things in common with women. Like, that's what you agree with? And some men are sitting back and just looking at, like, that's what you, that's what you think is cool? Mm -hmm. Like, they might not tell you, because a lot of men, they're not outspoken like yeah. that. They're not yeah. going to express their ideas, opinions, but once they see what you agree with, they know what they don't want around their children, mm -hmm. and they definitely know what they don't want to deal with long-term. So that's the dangerous as well as the world is showing all of its political ideologies and you're posting support for all these different groups and things of that nature. And men are like, that's not attractive to me. I don't yeah. want that in a wife. So what's your ideas, man? So with the passport bros, <clears throat> it's one of those things where the concept of it never bothered me as mm. far as the idea of finding a suitable mate outside of the country. The fact that, as you point out, there's a reality that other countries are more rooted in traditional values. The women tend to be more willing to walk in their femininity for various reasons. 
What bothered me was when it turned into this battle of trying to uh, make, uh, you know, speak bad on right, black women bashing. and women here, the bashing over here, just to uplift. It's like, that's not necessary. Like, if you want to say, hey, man, there's options out there. You should explore it. Be open. I don't think there's anything wrong with but that. But I also think that's like the... You have these small percentages of social influencers who do that. Yeah. And then everybody else who's doing that is just quietly with their chicks. Yeah, you're right. And you're right. That, that's very true. So I do think we can't get lost in the few that engage in that stuff. But they, to me, they kind of made it look bad right. because of that. Um, I also think, though, again, it's one thing when you're a man who has done the work and you want to expand your options beyond this country. It is more concerning when you are a man who has not done the work and you want to skip that process to try to go on easy mode in a different country. Now, so let's say about done the work. Now it gets me thinking, like, in no other time has so much criteria been positioned for a man or woman to be in a relationship. Mm -hmm. Now you got to go through therapy. You got to do shadow (laughs) work. You know what I'm saying? It sounds like, dang, I got to do all that. Our pops and them generation for eons and times had to do all of that. Nobody has ever told our pops generation and none of them, you got to do the work. But, but guess what? And because they weren't told that, they were dysfunctional <laughs> as hell. Right. And they created dysfunctional kids. And so a lot of the problems we are seeing today is because they weren't doing the work yeah. back then. I think we have to understand not everyone is entitled to a relationship. I think we have this idea. Let me back up a little bit. We need to start with one, we we need to stop conflating love and relationship. So what some men or people are doing when they do the passport bros thing, they're not looking for love, they're looking for a more accommodating relationship. It's, It's very different. You're looking for something that's more suitable for you, but you're not really about the idea of love, or this isn't you really falling in love. This is, in many cases, becoming infatuated, all right? Mm. And it's the same mistake that men make even over here. That's why you'll see situations where man goes overseas, gets a woman, brings her back, all right? And listen, if she's not in love with you and you bring her back to the States, Ooh. it's a wrap. You, <laughs> you bring her to the competition? <laughs> exactly. Oh, man, you got to relax. It's gone. Because if you, all you did was, was import somebody else's wife. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and so you, we, we've got to be more aware of, is this a real connection? Yeah. Or this is just a more in, uh, enjoyable, accommodating situation and relationship. It's not, again, it's not rooted in love. It's rooted in you looking for something that's easier and that woman, in many cases, looking for a beneficial situation. Plain and simple. Now, of course, the argument can be made that happens here too. But I don't co-sign those relationships here, whether they're in the U.S. or outside the U.S. I want to see more people rooted in love because I believe that's the real glue that will keep things together in the long run. We can work everything else out when we have a genuine connection. If we don't have that, Trouble is going to come. Right. It's inevitable. So back to the passport bros. Again, I, I just think for some men, before you even go out to the other countries, I make the argument that there are cities in the U.S. that have more traditional women. Mm-hmm. Every, everywhere is not Atlanta, Miami. But they are going for the looks, too. So they want them exotic looks no, as well. But there, there are good... Uh, so this goes back to this. So, yes... I do think this goes back to now because of social media. Let's bring that in again. 
and men seeing more beautiful women now in their lifetime than men ever saw back in the days, it has now given them a different taste for women. Right. And so the, the, the nice-looking woman that they would have been happy with before is no longer mm-hmm. good enough even for some of these very average men, okay? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's a fact. But I mean, but I, I don't blame them. You know what I'm saying? But in the sense that I don't, I, you know, I speak from a place of privilege, right? Mm-hmm. So I try to be careful because I already know fellas going to be like, well, keys, you keys. You got these things going on, right? You know, I, I, I'm a confident man. So I, I, I've never had the low expectations of standards. Yeah. I always thought, no, I got to get the best of the best. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But that's always been an option for me, right? Mm-hmm. But for, as you say, like, when the, 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 the cat is out the box, the Pandora's box is open. Yeah. Men see what's available around the world. Yeah. Sometimes, back in the day, men only seen what was available to very rich and successful men and seen the type of woman they had. And they didn't make that their goal and their aspiration because yeah. they understood that was out of their reach. Mm-hmm. So they lowered their expectation to say, well, what can a man like me get, mm-hmm. right? Versus what that man can get. He may have looked at that man's woman, lusted her, wanted her, you know what I'm saying, for all intents and purposes, but he never thought that that should be his goal. Yeah. Now, they saying that, wait a minute. First of all, they told me it's more women than men. So it's more than enough. <laughs> then when you go on social media, it seems like it's a never-ending, right, plethora of them. And then yeah. Instagram, if you like one picture, it's going to show you more. Yes. <laughs> so Instagram, say, Instagram, and it's like this. If you like design pictures, it show you design, yeah. right? So I was looking like, if you go look at your current, you know, news feed or whatever, it's just showing you what you're interested in, what you're liking yeah. and interacting, because it's just showing you what they think you want to see to keep yeah. you on the app. So it's not particularly, we just want to show you more women. It's, that's what you want to see, yeah. right? By your engagement. So when men see this, they like, how do you go see this beautiful woman in some other country or maybe in your country? Then you go back to your woman and say, well, this is my life, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, 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 and so like men, we are visual creatures. We lust than love, right? Bless is the first level. It's like, I physically want you. Yeah. Right. And then being able to get to the spiritual, the emotional, I emotionally want to be with you. I spiritually want to be with you. Right. That's different. It's important for you to lust your woman. Otherwise, you don't want her. Yeah. Right. And, and, and so but this is destroying the ability to settle and not settle in the sense that I just found this. But like I would say appreciate. Mm-hmm. Right. Being content with the person that you with because you're always thinking about who you could be with. But I think, yes, that's what's happening for most people because, again, I would argue that most people are not with the person they have a real connection with. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, connection does not overlook attraction. I believe that when there's a connection, attraction will be there as well. So I think that if more people found that connection, it would be easier to not have this desire for more. I also believe, I'm mm. someone who, who views it as... The major- I-, I put men into two categories, the bosses and the workers, all right? I believe the vast majority of men are workers, meaning they are just happy with having their needs met and they're good. So they're the type of guy, if they were making, let's say, 70 grand a year, that might be high to some people, but whatever, 70 grand a year, and that takes care of all their expenses, savings, they're good, they got a woman, she's giving them sex, he's good, he got food on his table, he genuinely does not care to go out to get more. But the bosses have an appetite for more, mm-hmm. all right? These men 
they they just you can, they could have five beautiful women. They're gonna still see number six, and which is a part also testosterone levels. Testosterone. I also believe, like I'm sure you've probably read Think and Grow Rich, mm-hmm. and they talk about how a lot of these geniuses, Einstein, uh, I think it was even Steve Jobs, all known for having very high sexual energy, and high sexual energy correlates to this high creative energy, mm-hmm. this ability to just do more, this greater purpose in essence, and so. It all ties together where they tend to have a greater appetite for women. And so, yes, I do think that those guys will have more of a struggle being satisfied. When they can see the options, they can access the options, and those options are coming at them as well. Right. You see, this is what makes it more difficult. Not that they could not truly love one right, woman, right. but... There's just a greater temptation level. Like I always say, some people, they, they, they'll, they'll look at a man who, let's just say, he sleeps with a few different women in the course of a few years. And they'll say, he has no discipline. And I'll say, well, wait a minute. If I show you man A, and he had five opportunities, and he took two of those opportunities, and I show you man B, and he had a thousand opportunities, but he took five. Who's more disciplined? Ooh, you're speaking gospel. You see what I'm saying? So you, you think because he's been with more, he lacks discipline. But this man has rejected this opportunity 99% of the time. Bro. The other man took 20% of his opportunities. How is he better than him? Bro, you get into something that I talk about a lot on this, the customization. Mm-hmm. We don't talk, we generalize every single thing all the time, right? So it's like, and when we're talking about that customization, right, the responsibility of a great man is different than an average man, yeah. right? And I think you broke it down poetically and beautifully just in that sense because you have the same expectation for this worker than this boss, mm-hmm. right? And because society, you know, will grade him with an A and give him an F, it's like, wait a minute, but I'm stronger than him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? My will is different than him. Yes. Like, if I go in the gym and I do 100 reps, now I don't tell you what the weight is. Another man goes and do 100, right? Mm-hmm. That don't mean we equally strong. I may have put the 500 pounds up and he put 20 up, Yeah. right? So are we judged by the reps or are we judged by the strength, mm-hmm. right? Because what's required for him to do the same thing is different than what's required to me. Yes. I have a higher load, you know what I'm saying, than this person has. Mm-hmm. And this is just something empathetic, right? right? And this is where I, I believe it really ties into is when we think about the individualization and the customization of human beings, statuses, places that everybody is at, chemically, biologically, spiritually, we develop empathetic intelligence to decipher reality for how it's supposed to be, mm-hmm. right? So therefore, it's like the way I look at Stefan is different than the way I may look at a regular person. I know that his discipline has a different metric level and a different measurement yeah. because Stefan makes this category, he's this type of person, he's this type of person. Now you... Like you said, that same person, he had those thousand options. He might have took like 800 of them. Mm-hmm. He might have took all of them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it would have been like, I can't judge you to the same. Yeah. I would have to look at you in the same barometer. I look at somebody else who's on your level. Yes. Right? And who's customized the same way that you are. Mm-hmm. Right? And so once we do that, I think it's, it's, it's even healing in that because now we're, we're like, we're not judging ourselves from the same barometer. Mm-hmm. Right? And we're not judging each other from that as well. 
right? And that creates more dynamics of understanding about each individual, yeah. right? Versus saying, well, generally you should be like him and he's a better man than you because he doesn't do what you do. Mm-hmm. Well, generally you don't do what I do because he's not a better man than me. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to go back real quick to the global, cause I didn't really answer the globalization of love. You know, all in all, and, and even with the passport bros, I, I, again, ultimately, I'm never against genuine relationship, genuine love, all right? And so whether that happens locally or globally, all that matters is two people who fit together, who really work well together, who are going to create a positive, happy relationship, I'm all for it. Because we need more of that. More than anything, we need positive, healthy relationships. That creates positive, healthy households. That creates positive, healthy kids. That creates positive, healthy communities. You know what I'm saying? So if... Again, there's nothing wrong with those who want to go elsewhere to find love. But again, I I just want them to not view it as simply, well, these people are better than these people without making sure, did you cover all your bases internally for yourself? Because again, even if for some situations, you got some of these men who go to these other countries, get a woman. Yes, she looks better. She's treating them great. But some of them are cheating on them, too, mm-hmm. with a man who's much more masculine, who's much more their style, but he just may not have the money that this foreigner had that mm-hmm. they came over here with. And that's not to scare men from doing it. Hey, listen, it, I know somebody, is, I'm not going to give too much details to give hint to it, but I, I know somebody who went and got one from another country. And um, <laughs> I want to be vague about this. <laughs> but I would just say, you know, he imported her in, in a sense, right? Mm-hmm. Very beautiful young lady. And she ended up, you know, uh, once she got out here, realizing the trade-off value of who she was, right? Her yeah. looks and dynamics. And it was just that same thing. She realized I'm not with the cream of the crop, mm-hmm. right? In context, in my country, and the way I'm looking at you, you're the best I can get right now. Mm-hmm. She probably genuinely fell in love with him. But then when she go in another country, everybody's treating her differently. Oh, you're so beautiful. You're so this. You're so that. Opportunities are coming her way. She starts to feel herself. She's now adopted the norms of an American woman. And the way American women have a self-image and perceive themselves when they do meet certain criteria. So you have to be careful of importing somebody because you have to understand what America is going to do to them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like America is going to show them what their value is in this market, mm-hmm. right? They had a different value in that market, but the exchange rate is different yeah. over here. <laughs> sure. You know what I'm saying? So you don't want to come over here. Like I said, you, go, you may be importing somebody else's wife, and they may be thanking you for that because they didn't have to pay for that ticket. Absolutely. And, and, again, and even if you go over there and stay there, I just want to encourage the men, again, if you want to do it, cool. But make sure whatever shortcomings you have, that have made it difficult for you in the States, clean that up first. So it's like, it's one thing for you to say, I'm a man who's walking in my purpose, doing what I'm supposed to do, taking care of myself, but I feel like a better option exists for me elsewhere. All right, cool. Right, right. It's different when you're a man who is way below where he should be, not even tapping into his potential, so you're not having any luck here, and you figure, okay, well, I can get, I I can basically overlook the need to fix those things because over there it's easier. Mm-hmm. That to me is the problem. Because in that scenario, 
I think even that man who goes over there, like I remember seeing this one TikTok and it was this dude, Passport Bro, and he has his little Asian woman next to him bragging about the fact that he came over here to that, to that place. And she looked so disgusted. <laughs> like, like, she looked like, brother, I don't want to be with you, but this is just too beneficial. Right, right, right. So I'm going to roll with it. And it's like, yo, she's just going to wait for the right opportunity to finally leave you or crush yeah. your heart too. So just make sure you do the inner work regardless of where you're going to find your relationship or find love. Mm, that's key. We at low level, we at high level. We at low level, we at high level. Coming to Oakland, it's different like going anywhere else on the planet Earth. But this is what made me right here. When you're from Oakland or you're from the Bay Area, period, you got a different level of consciousness. For me, I'm all about taking this oath so that we get to the highest level. Because we only dangerous if we work together. 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 If you control by what you see, you're low level. A high level observer controls what they see. I apply the meaning. We have to get to this point where we have complete autonomy and power. And most of the things that we do, we're being controlled by it, but you're just not thinking about it intentionally on a daily basis. We in Oakland, man. We in the home of the revolutionaries, right? We in the home of the Panthers. Freedom don't mean the same thing today. So we have to reconstruct the idea of freedom, justice, and equality in our daily mission. I'm 19 Keys, this Dame Dash. The floor is retro, but high price like a pair of J's. Lame trying to get in my circle like square pegs. Man, you boys couldn't walk in my shoes if we shared legs. I gotta understand that I'm becoming too big of a star to share. We not dangerous, divided, divided. The highest level tour is, you know, it's, it's a moment in, in history that we get to think about and relish in and be a part of. This is me proving my thought leadership. This is me implementing the ideas and reinvigorating the spirit that we're going to need to win the future right now. Now, I want to get to two last points. Spirituality and relationships. Mm -hmm. People are losing their religion, right? Yeah. Um, these, this generation going forward, the Z and X generation, even the millennials, right, are not deeply connected to religion anymore, right? And it was a great connecting force in a relationship is spirituality, is our religions, right? Because the religion provides an agreement, yeah. right? It gives you tenets and practices for that relationship. But when there's a disassociation with these, these religions and you're no longer the Christian, you're no longer the Muslim, you're no longer whatever it may be, right? We get in relationships with people who may not even share the same God. Yes. Share the same faith and ideas and the spiritual connection. I don't care. You can be financially connected, intellectually, emotionally, but the spiritual connection Right. I think is the most deprived in relationships today mm -hmm. and even movies and ideas and novels about romanticism do not express the importance of the spiritual connection that people have and the spiritual practices, the meditating together. Even the way people have sex, it's not a very spiritual sex. It's a yeah. fast, you know, rush process. Mm -hmm. Right. 
So there is, it's very devoid of spiritual entanglement, mm -hmm. right? And so can we talk a little bit about like, what does that look like developing spiritual compatibility with the person? Well, I think it, it's more so first about establishing that spirituality within ourselves. So again, we can't just go out there. Like, I don't believe in the idea that we can just pick someone we like and then try to make it all work. There are people you don't fit with. You know what I'm saying? And if you look at religious belief as just like tribes, certain tribes just don't mix. It's not going to go well. You're asking for trouble in the long run. What, what has happened is as long as people are passive believers in their spirituality, then they can coexist with other passive believers or even non-believers, right? But what I have found is at some point in their life, one or the other will become passionate about their spiritual mm. belief. Humans are just hardwired to want to draw to a higher power, okay? We've been like that from the beginning of time. So someone's going to rise up in that way, and now the division is going to show like it's never shown before. Now there's going to be all kinds of conflict, and that's where the whole thing falls apart. So I think that we have to start with establishing that foundation within ourselves first so that we, it goes back to knowing who you are, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying, and walking in that truth. Then, yes, you should only embrace someone who's in alignment with Ooh. you, plain now, and simple. I remember when I dated a Christian girl before, and I remember she, it was cool. I mean, we was having a conversation though about children. And, you know, she, she just started expressing about her family traditions and how they dress the kids up for Christmas and Easter. And I was like, <laughs> slow down. I was like, no, we're not doing that, though. Uh -huh. Like, you know, even hypothetically, we're not doing that. You know what I mean? So we started having a conversation about how, like, my children is never going to practice, like, uh, dressing up for Easter and, like, Christmas. And I'm expressing to her, like, I'm very passionate about that. Mm -hmm. Right? And in that exact moment, I knew it was over. Yeah. Because for me, if I can look in far into our future and I can see a point in time where it won't be alignment, then I know I'm in the wrong situation. Yes. Right. And all I'm doing is waiting on the expiration of this to tick. Exactly. Right. And so those conversations let you know how long this can last, because the more serious it get, the more passionate you get about being connected with those people on those different terms. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's like. You know, yeah, like I could never date a woman that eats bacon. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like if you eat pork, it's like it's done for you. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? But and, and, and like that spiritual compatibility and having spiritual rituals, I think is key. I came up with this card game called Soul Ties. Mm. And in Soul Ties, like 19 different practices that you do. You pull a card and each one is supposed to draw out a more intimate connection. And I thought of like 19 different things you would probably never in a lifetime do with your partner. That's simple, but it draws you all in to be very present and it creates a connection. Mm -hmm. Right. And I thought about that because, you know, we don't really have soul ties in that positive sense anymore. Yeah. It's all, people when, look when at people it, hear that phrase, it's a negative. Right. Thing. They think of it as negative. But it's like, no, nah, that's that's the shadow love. That's the soul love. Like what people call the shadow, I think, is also, you know, looking at your soul of a person. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because people don't always express what we call like their soul purpose, yeah. right? The authentic self, right? Between those ages of like one through seven to nine, right? Your soul is being shaped, right? Mm -hmm. And who you are. And people can go against that, right? And we have our spirit. That's our willfulness. That's our determination towards things, the way we do things. But our soul, 
that's that shadow part that we never see and people don't know. But that was your core values. Mm -hmm. That's that thing that you can't trade. Yeah. Right. Because if you trade your soul, you sold it. Mm -hmm. Right. So when you get rid of your integrity and you go against those inner beliefs, whether you even realize that they were strong. But the moment you go against it, you know, when you sold your soul. Yeah. Because you're going to go home. You're going to wrestle with yourself and you go lose. Absolutely. Right. And so meeting people and having soul connections, I think, is important. Yeah. And I think that, you know, when people hear you mention like uh, the Christmas issue, the holiday issue. Some people might say, well, that's not a big deal. You can work past that. And that's the mistake people make. Mm -hmm. They think these quote unquote small things are truly small. They don't understand the progression of these disconnects. Right. So me being a coach, I understand that, okay, you guys might be good for the first 11 months. Christmas comes around. And now she wants to celebrate it. And you're like, yo, I already right. told you we right. don't do this. But she was like, nah, I thought you was just. Exactly. No, so serious. now y'all get into a fight, even <laughs> if she says, okay, fine, we won't celebrate it. Now she's resentful. Okay. Right. So now for the next couple of weeks, she got an attitude with you. Now that attitude turns into you feeling some kind of way. And it snowballs from there. Right. Now the intimacy takes a hit. Now, now the communication. And, this, and so when people come to me and this couple has this issue, it's never really the current issue. That's the problem. It's this deeper rooted thing or it started with this quote unquote small thing that then creates this huge big mess in the relationship. And it boils down to you two were not in alignment. And there is no point in trying to force a relationship with someone you're not in alignment with. It could be as simple as like I'm very much into healthy eating, working out, all these things. I can't be living in a house with a woman who's going to like discourage me right. from working out or right. put all this junk food around me 24-7 when I'm trying to stay healthy. Mm. We're going to have a conflict. Yo, so speaking of that, it's like, because right now there's a, a huge gym culture, right? That's mm. going on, right? You see all the videos, people in the gym working out. I'm on my gym all the time. But what I, I found, though, is especially if a woman is not really working on herself and doing all the fitness things of that nature, she doesn't want her man to be too fit. She don't, <laughs> she don't want you to be too muscled up. You ain't supposed to come in the house with a six-pack. Uh -huh. You know what I'm saying? No, have a little stomach. Yeah. You feel me? So she doesn't have to then reflect and look at herself as not meeting that same criteria. Absolutely. And that's dangerous as well because, you know, your partner may not want the best for you because they don't want to do that work for themselves. Yes. So if you grow too much or want too much for yourself, then you make them look in the mirror. So they start telling you, like, you're doing too much. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? And they just try down. to sabotage your growth. Yes. There was a study they did once where they showed women a man with a chisel, chiseled body and a man with a dad body. Mm -hmm. And they said, which one would you pick? Which one would you pick for a one-night stand? Which one would you pick for marriage? They pick the chiseled body for a one-night stand, the dad bod for marriage. Mm -hmm. Now, this is phenomenon where everybody swears women want a dad bod. What, what they're not telling you is they choose the dad bod, one, for that reason that you just said, because it takes pressure off of them. It feels safer because now I don't have to be held to such a high standard with this chiseled body. Not to mention, the chiseled body is going to get a lot more attention. And if I feel in any way inadequate or insecure as a woman, I don't want to deal with that. Mm -hmm. So I don't want a man that looks too good. Not because I'm not more attracted to the physically, physically fit man, but because it just feels safer and more easier to be with the man who's doing less with himself and not, hold, you know, holding himself to such a high standard and therefore 
will not hold me to a high standard, which also creates a dynamic. You'll hear women say, uh, you know, men complain about women gaining weight, but we don't complain about y'all weight. Yeah. You only don't complain because you don't want him saying nothing about you. Yeah. <laughs> right? you, you don't like the way he's looking with that right. belly right now. Right. You're not feeling this change he made, but you will tolerate it because it gives you leeway. Right. You know it doesn't open up to your flaws. Exactly. So, and don't get me wrong. It doesn't mean there aren't some women who genuinely li- may like that and genuinely don't care, but it is a sign in a lot of cases that she's not going to want to be held to that kind of standard. That may be intimidating for her. And if you are the type of man who's striving for more, you need a woman who really respects, embraces, and loves that. And and will be willing to join you on that path. And even push you to do more. Exactly. That's the key thing. Men who are truly driven in that way need a woman who will push them even higher, right. not try to bring them down and Especially hold them back. Especially if you're already pushing yourself. Exactly. And it's like, it's like, bringing, some, it's like bringing somebody along for a workout and they're they dragging you down. Though. Yeah. Like, no, I need you to tell me to do another one. <laughs> like, that's why you're here. Like, why is you here? Like, I could do this by myself. Leave. Yes. Right? I, you were supposed to tell me to put another rack on. <laughs> like, why, why you just let me get away with that? Exactly. You feel me? So, like, for me, that dynamic of, like, Finding the, like, women can really enjoy, I think, relationships better if they learn how to push their men the right way. But again, well, yes, but it it starts with can they push themselves? Right, right, well, yeah. And and can they accept? Because a man also don't want to be pushed by somebody who's not pushing themselves. Yeah, and and again, I think it also goes back to the fact that, unfortunately, there's a disconnect between men and women about what we each like, all right? So essentially, like, I met this one woman, she was 51, always in the gym, right? So, I, and she looks great for her age. I thought that she was really generally into the gym. One day we have a talk and she's like, I can't wait till I meet a man, get married so I can stop working out. I'm like, what? That's <laughs> so, crazy. You see what I'm saying? So you don't actually value this. You're just doing this to get a man. Right. And Now that is dangerous. Yes. Because, especially because men, okay, there's a lot of men who aren't smart. There's a lot of men who are not stupid. In the sense that we know when you're faking it for us. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And when a man starts to see signs that you you showed up like this because that's what you thought I want, that's when he stops liking you because he knows he was deceived. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And you think it's okay. Well, we already had sex. We already in relation. We already did this. I don't care. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because when you showed up to me, that's what I fell in love with. Yeah. Right? So you showed me all the ideas that you think that I deserve or want. Mm-hmm. Right? And now that... I have you. You feel like you have enough to hold me here. You know what I'm saying? Against my will because, <laughs> because of what you showed me previously. Uh-huh. And the man is logical, so he going to figure out all the reasons why I should not. He going to be, hey, gonna, a man has to wrestle with his consciousness to stay in a relationship that doesn't fit with his needs. Yeah. Right? So he going to be thinking of all the reasons why I should leave. Exactly. And first of all, man, she ain't even fit no more. She's big pudgy. She used to work out when I got her. Mm-hmm. She did all of these things, right? And now she's faking. Yeah. So now you go like, all right, this is definitely what I need to get out of here. He gonna start creating that escape plan. Exactly. And, and sabotaging the relationship. Yes. And, and 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 honestly, it happens on the flip side as well. Like I think a lot of men mm-hmm. have to understand there are men, for example, who start off trying to overly impress the woman. So they're spending all this money they don't really got, right. taking her all these places they don't typically go to. 
And then once they have her, they want to settle in their true self. And it's so far removed from all those things. And now you mad at her because she doesn't appreciate less right. from you. That's a but fact. But you reeled her in with right. all that other stuff. Right. Both sides have to stop false representing themselves, trying to get someone who respectfully may be out of their lane. You know what I'm saying? Or just is not a proper fit for them. And everyone has to start with, okay, what kind of life do I want to live? And what kind of life can I honestly sustain? And that's how I should present myself. So it's like, yo, if you're a frugal dude, be frugal from day one. And let a woman who's just as frugal love the hell out of you, okay? But don't be frugal truly, but then try to be this overspending man to get this woman because you're not going to be happy with her in the long run. That's a fact. Nah, you can't... Listen, now, there, there's certain women you got to be able to afford, okay? <laughs> it's just a fact. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's certain cars you got to afford, you know what I'm saying? Certain houses you got to afford, right? So, you know... When you think about putting together that package of life and designing your life, you got to think about what can I afford? Yeah. And, right? and what do I want to maintain? Like the analogy I always use is everybody might want a Rolls Royce, but are you going to be happy making those payments? Mm-hmm. You're going to be happy with the, the maintenance right. fees? It just look good. Exactly. Are you going to be happy with the negative attention you might get when you're riding around right. in it? There's things that come with that level of, of car. There are certain things that come with that level of woman. There are certain things that come with that level of man. Everyone wants the shiny thing, but can you actually maintain it? Mm -hmm. And if you can't, there's nothing wrong with that. And to me, what people have to understand is to accept that you you should not go after that thing is not settling. It is finding your happiness elsewhere. Mm. All right? So it's like, listen, there are some people who bought the big house, all the rooms, had everything, and they were miserable in it. Right. And that payment was way too high. And they downgraded, and they are happier than they ever could have been. They didn't settle for a lesser house. They found their happiness elsewhere. Right. You see what I'm saying? You know, my mom used to tell me, you know, if you get a beautiful woman, you know you have to maintain her, right? Like, it's, mm-hmm. you got to look at how she already is. She got to get her nails done. <laughs> she got to get her hair done, right? She got to do all these pampering things. You know you're going to want her to look good, so you got to buy her clothes, yeah. right? Like, all that you got to think about, we look at the results. You just want the woman. But the process of maintaining that woman that you want, because you, if you want her to show up beautiful all the time, you have to pay for that. You know, it's, it's funny because now some... Some people will argue that. There's men, well, why, why do we have to finance their lifestyle? But to your point, like, if you want that in your life, yeah. then you have to understand that's a part of the whole... Because she might just want to throw on a bonnet or something yeah. every day. So <laughs> you tell her, no, I'm going to get your hair done. I'm going to get your nails done all the time because I'm financing the lifestyle because, you know, this is what I want to see. Yes. Right? This is what's going to make you don't want to... When you're a man who's decided what you want in your life then you understand that you, you want to create an environment that doesn't create excuses for why we can't have this, why right. we can't do this. Right. So I remember when I was younger and I was broke, single, I knew I wanted, in, in most cases, like a high-maintenance woman. I knew I wanted a woman mm-hmm. who likes looking good, yeah. likes taking care of herself. So I always said to myself, I need to be successful enough to have a budget where I can take care Same. of all those things. You got to have a fine woman budget. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I ain't talking about the type... I'm talking about for long term. I ain't talking about short term stuff. Yeah, I'm from yeah. Oakland, so we ain't had no, no short term budgets, right? That's different. 
for long term, it's the only time I'm thinking about it. Because long term is like you maintaining that lifestyle. Yeah. Right? And that lifestyle come with that maintenance. Because I remember when my mom told me that, I was like, damn, that sounds expensive. But I've never had to spend money to get women, right? Mm -hmm. Maintaining a relationship is completely different. Exactly. Right? Like, I want to eat at certain places. I want to do international traveling, right? Mm -hmm. I want to, I I have good taste, right? Mm -hmm. I can't just be buying myself shoes. I want my lady walking in just as fly as me. Exactly. It's complimentary. So once you realize that, especially the good things that you want for yourself, you have to want for the person that you love. Exactly. So it's like you have to then... You, you have to have double the budget. Yeah. Whatever I can afford myself, I should be able to afford for her. Yeah. If you're getting, like, if you know, these weird relationships now, people be kind of thinking about, like, you know, it's, I'm all for myself in this relationship. It's a war. If she can't afford it, she shouldn't have it. Now, that's just weird because it's like you say you love this person, right? Yeah. Don't be with her if you don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. I ain't talking about the average tricking that people do. Mm-hmm. I ain't talking about nothing like that, not even close. But I'm saying, like, yo... This is family at this point. This is your friend. This is your lover. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it shouldn't be nothing that's off limits and said that she's doing too much, though. Exactly. You feel me? But anything that is within your maintenance and within your budget that you have set for criteria for the people that you love and the person that you love, yeah, shower that. Exactly. And I think what, what's, what's messing things up partially is this whole, you know, anytime men talk about providing for a woman, people on the internet, you simping. Right. You know what I'm saying? They want to turn into this negative thing. You know, what's crazy to me, I remember one time, I did a video years ago about I don't believe in going 50-50 on bills and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I'm not saying no one can do it. It's just not my thing. Yeah. I'm not doing it. Same. And some dude tried to make it, oh, you're beta this, you're a simp. And I'm thinking, through all of time, the provider has been the alpha right. male. Right, that's the alpha. You know what I'm saying? That's never been in question. And somehow this new age is trying to turn being a provider into a negative, soft thing. Now, granted, if you are doing this to gain the approval of a yeah, woman, that's, 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 that's a that's problem. Way to you know what I'm saying? If you're doing this to impress her because you feel inadequate, because like you said, when you're a man that knows you can still get a woman without p- spending money, then the spending money is because you want a certain lifestyle and she's in it. You know what I'm saying? And you understand it's like, if I want to fly first class, I can't fly first class and put her in coach. Mm -hmm. That doesn't make any sense. You know what I'm saying? We got to fly together. So as you said, we have to be of a success level that can afford that for both of us to experience these luxuries. And so it's not a bad thing. And I think more men need to understand, don't let these other dudes who don't believe in this scare you or shame you into not providing for your partner. That's a beautiful thing. You know what I'm saying? And again, it's about what life do you want to live? If you want to live a simpler life, then get with a simpler woman. Right. You know, and that's not a bad thing. Every man don't need, like every man, like you say, everybody don't deserve a relationship. We need to be in one. Mm -hmm. And I think that's an important aspect. Like if you still build it, especially financially, like just wait. You know what I mean? Don't get, that's too much pressure for you. Exactly. Now, I do understand the new dynamics of these relationships, that the new millennial X and G generations, right, they're thinking of things differently, right? So that cohabilitation, right, is their way of, right, uh, it's an economic stimulus, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's a financial plan. So they figure that, well, if I go 50-50 with her, she is this new feminist, independent woman, right? <laughs> and actually, this, this may make a little sense. So she get to save a little money. I get to save a little money. Rent has been increasing. Inflation is on the rise, right? Eggs cost a lot of money. So they figure, <laughs> shit, maybe I get with somebody that split the bills. 
which I think, as I'm thinking about it, is completely different than the conversation of I don't want to provide for a woman. Yeah. Right? Now, I also know that everybody don't want to develop the skills that will allow them to afford the better lifestyle. Granted. Right? And, and so that's the dangerous thing because we have technology, we have new financial skills, we have new opportunities more than any other generation in time. Mm-hmm. So it should be easier for a man to provide because he has more options and ways to provide. Mm-hmm. But as we see this decrease in testosterone, men are lazy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? We're seeing a rise in the stay-at-home dads. Yeah. Right? I met this woman at the airport. I was with my brother, Amechi. It was an Asian lady. She was she's sitting next to my chair, but she was sitting in like a like frog position, sitting on top. I don't know why, right? But she started talking, um, and she was asking, what are we doing? What are we traveling to? Blah, blah, blah. Zay. And I, somehow we got to the point of the conversation. She was saying that I want to be a stay-at-home mom. And she was like, that's my dream. Mm-hmm. Now, she tried to make it seem like she was joking. But at some point in the conversation, she said, oh, I do have a husband. I said, wait a minute, how do you have a husband and you want to be a stay-at-home mom? And it got me to the concept of that there are many women who have a husband but don't have a man, Mm. right? And so their dream is to be with a man, somebody that can provide the lifestyle that they believe a woman deserves, to Mm -hmm. be in her softness and femininity. But what they settle for is a placeholder, right? Somebody that they can be in this relationship with to say, I have a husband, they're doing the cohabilitation thing. She obviously has to do a whole lot of working. Mm-hmm. He does his working, but it's not enough to afford the lifestyle to where she can feel like she's living a desirous life. So that's a mismatch that is going on today as well, that there are many men who have wives but don't have a woman. Yeah. Right? And so that's that flip side is that that settlement of being in a relationship that's not the dynamic of what you dream of, which will allow you to be the greatest version of yourself mm-hmm. and live that dream life. Absolutely. And, and that's why, you know, it's, to me, like, I don't, I'm not a fan of 50-50, right? But I think that the, the exception to that rule is if we do it on agree, an agreed-upon temporary basis. And I think that people have to get away from all this materialism and make some at least initial sacrifices. So I'm not saying you can't want luxurious things. Some of us just like those things. That's fine, right? But if, let's say, a man and a woman want to come together, and let's just say they, they want to agree to cohabitate even before marriage because it's financially smart for them, right? The plan in my eyes should be we operate under one income, and we use the second income to invest, mm-hmm. all right? So that maybe after four or five years, we will have a structure in place where the woman could stay at home, right. where we now have at least the flexibility. And even if it's leading not... Leading up to that. Yes. And even if it's not a full-time stay-at-home, maybe it's part-time, maybe it's a, have a job at the house, but now she has more flexibility. And the reason why I think we should strive for that regardless, because I think when men hear me say that, they think I'm just trying to accommodate the women. But what I want men to understand is, in most cases, your happiest life will happen when you afford that woman flexibility. Mm. Because one, with her being flexible, if your desire is to have kids, because I do think for those who don't care to have kids, being married, family, that's a whole, you know, you have a greater argument to not even get married if you don't want to have kids. Right. 
But if you want kids and you give her flexibility, now she can be with the kids when needed. Part of the problem we have in society now is both the parents outside the house, when they come home, they're both stressed the hell out. Neither one can keep tabs on the children. The children are running amok and we're just seeing a negative cycle. So give her the flexibility to be there with the kids when necessary. Not to mention, I don't know if you ever read the book, um, The Way of the Superior Man. Oh, I love that. David Dita? Exactly. That's my God. And so one of the things I love that he mentioned is that you can't make your woman your everything. She can't That's be your business partner, your lover, your accountant, your cleaner, your babysitter, all these things. Because what happens is you diminish her ability to show up in the areas you need most. Mm. So if you want a woman that can look good for you, sexually please you as much as you want, you got to take some things off her plate. She's not built to handle all these things and thrive at it. And I feel the need to mention this. What, what men have to understand, because I think what men where men get tripped up is they say, well, when it comes to the sex thing, we're both getting pleasured. So why, why do I need to make any accommodations for that? Here's the unfortunate truth. Y'all not both always getting pleasured. Mm-hmm. You get pleasured way more than she does, mm-hmm. all right? For her, it can become more like a damn chore. Now, it's easier for her to embrace that when she doesn't have everything else on her plate. But when you put everything else on there, not only do you make it hard for her to show up sexually, you make it hard for her to enjoy it sexually Mm. because women's greatest struggle in enjoying a sexual experience is their mind. Mm -hmm. Their mind is all over the place. It's thinking about all these things. They don't feel, mm. if they're not feeling safe, if they're not feeling comfortable, if they have things they have to stress about, that's going to diminish their ability to enjoy the experience. And if they don't enjoy the experience, why would they want to keep coming back? So by reducing her stress in, in, in different ways, by taking some things off her plate, you allow her to walk more in her feminine energy. You allow her to show up in the ways that you really need her to show up. And you allow her to enjoy the experience more, which only motivates her more to do these things again. For mm. No, that's key. That's that's super key. Because, I mean, you know, she's going to be much more grateful. Right. And that that experience, you're going to feel that experience. You're mm-hmm. going to show up. It's going to be heart to heart love and energy in that room. Right. But a man often thinks. All right, I'm, I'm going to pay the bills. I'm going to provide I'm going to do this. And I think what would be missing a lot of time is that emotional understanding yeah. and intelligence, right, and that communication. And that's why that probably is one of the biggest things to work on. And in the flip side of that, you have a generation of men who are becoming emotionally intelligent, but they're losing the masculinity and the logic. Yes. So the woman has to be more logical. Mm-hmm. And the more logical she is, the more she go argue with you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> because now she's making points. Now she's seeing things from that view. So the softening of your woman keeps her in that flow of femininity, which is like an ocean. It doesn't have to come to a point. You just got to mm-hmm. keep the vibes flowing. Right. But when she has to think logical because you not now, she becomes the mind in that household. Yeah. Right. She becomes the critical thinker. The one that has to think for both of you all. And then she stops seeing you as the head. Exactly. Because now you're making her feel like a mother. Right. And not your woman. You know what I'm saying? And she ain't trying to raise you. So eventually she starts to lose respect. And that's the whole problem with this dynamic of trying to go with this 50 50 equality is that in the long Mm -hmm. run, 
it starts to cause all kinds of problems. The woman struggles to continuously respect that. Like that same Asian woman at the airport, I'm sure she has days she's looking at that man like, you so sorry. Like if, because of you, I got to keep doing the same thing I don't really want to do. And what I have found is... And she got the, a work husband. Yes. Man. And the majority of women, I'm not going to say all, but the majority, they don't want to stay in their careers. The majority of women are attached to their careers because of the lifestyle it provides That's them, not the work that they're doing. Their dream would be to find a man who could give them that lifestyle where they can walk away from that work. And that's why I say to a lot of people, listen, men gain more from being at work and doing something productive. Right. It makes them feel like they're accomplishing something. It feeds their testosterone, which makes them feel better. Like, that's where they benefit greatly. Women don't benefit greatly from having to be at work right. and doing all these things. Now, if you are a woman who genuinely wants to do things, cool. But that's not most women. And men have to understand what kind of woman are you getting? And, and are you creating a space for her to flourish, which, again, will allow you to flourish? Because if you don't create that space for her, trust me, you're undermining your own path that's in this fact. relationship. And then I'll say last but not least, like, the skill of create number one, like, the, the, the feminine flaw. I was watching the movie Kama Sutra, and it was showing how, like, there was uh, the art. I forget what Kama Sutra means. It means the art of something. You can look at it for me. <laughs> um, but it was showing the raising of these young girls to understand the art of like feminine movement, mm. right? And like seduction and how to please a husband and all these things, right? And when I think about it now, because we talk about femininity in the sense of the expression, the energy, but not the art of it, mm. right? When we go look at old movies, right, you look at the Marilyn Monroe's and <clears throat> right things of the nature, they knew how to speak softly. They knew how to melt a man with touch. Yeah. Right? They knew how to look at him a certain way and how to move in desires, manners and how to wear flowy dresses. Right. Mm -hmm. Because that's what the man likes. Today's age is women are no longer building themselves up and learning the art of how to be with a man. Right. It's how to be in society. Right. They're not just. Uh, uh, building their bodies up for men and not doing it for the woman's gaze and to mm -hmm. fit into these female social circles, right? And so a lot of these things that women build themselves up for, men don't care about. Yeah. Because it's like none of that was ever for me anyway. Mm -hmm. You did that to impress your social circle. You got them new lips and them new eyelashes, <laughs> not for me because I don't care about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Right? You even got the new butt, not for the long-term relationship. You got that to attract a ball or to throw on Instagram so you can get leverage that for what it was, it was a business decision, mm -hmm. right? And so I think women have to understand that when they look at their successes and their progresses and things of the nature that they make, those things may not be attractive to a man at all because those are things you're doing for yourself and your social circle and your career, right? Versus when a man does these things, a lot of times men are doing things so that he can become more compatible and attractive for a woman. Yeah. I want to make more women, more money so I can get the woman I want, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to get the car, the house, the jewelry, I'm going to dress fly. A man is living a lot of his life for the impression that he makes on women, yeah. right? But today's women's progression is to live their life and avoidance of making oppression on men, mm -hmm. right? And rebellion of that impression. So now when you try to go back and figure out a dynamic of 
right? Oh, men just don't like me because of this. No, you know you're not doing nothing for men no more. <laughs> so men say, well, no, all of those things that you've done for yourself, I'm actually, I don't like, mm-hmm. right? So it may work for you, but it don't work for us. And it becomes the ego of the woman, right? And it becomes this rebellion of the man, mm-hmm. right? And then a man with his traits of toxic masculinity are considered to be toxic, then he develops and he becomes weaker. And now women are judging him for being weaker, mm-hmm. right? So she celebrates making more money than him, right? She's dogging him for not being of equal. Mm-hmm. And then we look at the idea of equality. It's probably the misconstrued idea in the world. Men are equal but different, Yeah. right? And the things that we are different in, we're not equal in, mm-hmm. right? And that's where it's like a man has, of course, his physical might, right? We already know there's no equality there, yeah. right? But a woman has a womb. We're not equal in her ability of birthing and, and, and going through that pain. Yeah. We can't, we can, man, we die, we went through that pain, mm-hmm. right? But she can go through that quality of pain. Her, we're not equal in intuition, but mm-hmm. we're also not equal in logic, yeah. right? We are compatible because we're different in areas that we don't need to be equal in. Yes. Right. And this is what makes us good for each other. Because when that pairing happens, I can trust your intuition. You can protect me with your strength. Can you tell me to think about that? Well, you give me the details on this. Tell me what you feel. Right. Mm -hmm. That's why our celebration of our differences is our beauty. But we weaponize them right against each other instead of celebrating them. No, it's good that she's not overly logical like me. Because now we can just vibe. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? We ain't got to always be talking politics or debating and discussing (laughs) stuff. I can just chill and relax with my woman. And you want that. So we have to get to a point where it's not about gender wars. Because to me, the idea of gender wars don't exist in reality because we're still attracted to each other. Mm -hmm. Right? When you go to war with somebody, you're not attracted to your enemy. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, you want to kill them. You don't want them to exist. So I don't think the gender wars is not valid yeah. because what you instead you need to have a, a, a gender treaty, treaty, a peace treaty. Mm-hmm. You need to figure out how do you can you get along, right? Number one with self to do the healing, to do the processing, right? And how to show up as your greatest self so that that what you are attracted to, that what you love for a man will be a woman, woman is a man, so that you all can get along and create this going back to relationship, relatio, the repairing, the coming back together, right? And the, the shit, that condition, that state of, of which you're trying to regenerate and come back into, it can work and be successful, yeah. right? And that's not something people talk about because most of the things that we see are very low level. But here on High Level Conversations, we are all about the refostering, the repairing of the dynamics of our relationships. So I appreciate you being here. Let's continue to tap in, work on ourselves so we can work together with those that we love. And that's each other. Peace. Um, so some of the things I reflect upon that I've learned and grown from is just one, learning how to be more decisive. I think as men, we have to learn that we, we've got to be quicker to make decisions and not let things linger on. An indecisive thought is like an anchor in your life and it can really hold you back and stunt your progress in things. So learning to be quicker to make decisions is one of the things that I've developed. 
as well as, you know, as I talked about in the interview, learning how to love in your masculine. I think that is a very important concept that came to me in, in my own life process, um, understanding that as men, we tend to lose ourselves when we catch deep feelings for a woman and not knowing how to manage it or do, approach it from a masculine perspective while still providing that love she needs. And so I think if men can master that, that's going to make things a lot better for a lot of people because a lot of men's bitterness comes from failed relationships, heartbreak, where they did not stay in their masculine frame, so to speak. And that just had a, a chain reaction of more negative experiences. The most important decision that you make besides choosing to believe in God is who you will spend the rest of your life with. Dr. Nouri Mohammed said that in his book called Before I Say I Do. And I believe it's very important the relationships that we have in life, whether it's the business, the family, friends, right? There's a complete restructuring of relationships and our expertise upon relationships is decreasing because people are changing. The dynamics of the world is changing. So we can't operate off yesterday's knowledge, right? When it comes to today's relationships. So I find it important that if we talk about the restoration of family, of culture, of generational wealth, relationship building is a necessary component and or skill set, right? People don't know how to network. People don't know how to talk to the opposite sex. People don't know how to deal with conflict resolution. People don't have emotional intelligence. People don't know how to, how to go through the processes of healing, right? And properly showing up as your authentic and true self. So once we start to do that work and we can get some of the tools and we can have positive and healthy conversations that become the normal, right? Instead of we existing in these silos of trauma bonding and opposite sex bashing, then we can start to move forward. Otherwise, we constantly had that tiger circulating us, right? Where we're in a constant state of fear. We never get rest. We never feel at ease. And we feel like it's always a battle. Right. So by bringing higher levels of awareness, it gives us higher level of control and power or even conceding the necessity of control, but to be in the right flow of things. So this brother is somebody who's been teaching and speaking up, um, teaching men and women. Right. How to see the flaws in themselves. Right. And also how to see the flaws in other people so that they can make better decisions for their future. In my perspective, a lot of the change that happens later in our life is, has been delayed evolution. And what I mean by that is we kick the can down the road of truly going within ourselves, learning ourselves, understanding who we are. And so then when we finally do it as a, an adult late in our years, we now take this new step in evolution. But had we d been more intentional earlier in our life, we could have escaped this becoming a problem later. And I think we have to create a culture where we're doing more inner work earlier in life. Not this idea that you can just push that to the side until you're in your 30s or 40s or whatever. Nah, like I think after you leave high school, you got to start figuring out who you are. We are capable of achieving that. And that would help lessen the, the amount of disconnects that occur when people are in relationships discover this new aspect about themselves that always existed, but was suppressed so they didn't realize this whole time. And now they don't know what to do with the current relationship. But I also think that 
sometimes if you are in a relationship and you now that evolution occurs and at this point you and that person are no longer a good fit we have to learn to accept when a relationship has reached its end and it shouldn't be hard feelings it shouldn't be you betrayed me and you're a bad person it's no we've evolved in a way that we're growing apart all right it would have been best had we figured this out sooner but sometimes we don't have that luxury um and so let's not make matters worse because now trying to force this relationship along when we know we're not really feeling it with each other is just asking for more years of being miserable, unhappy and potentially creating more attachments that will only make things more difficult when we inevitably go our separate ways. Well, you know, it's funny bring up the high-level conversations. Of course, there was uh the the video that kind of went viral, the young man who was on a date with his girl and he decided to surprise her with a gift for the tour, right? And not only that, he double surprised her with the meet and greet. Now as I looked throughout the comments, people were mad. They were bashing him saying he's a sim, keys go take your girl, all of these different things. But when I looked at the video, I seen a brother who I believe, right, was very confident and secure within himself. And one thing that he said in the video was the fact that I know things. And what he was referring to is that I did my research. I talked to your friends. I really thought about what would be a thoughtful gift for you. Right? Men leave with their money a lot because they don't have anything else, right? And in that gift that I seen that he did, he was leading with his heart. He was really thinking about how he can make an impact and make his girl happy, right? And when you looked at the comments, you see the disassociation between what men are thinking and what women are thinking. Women are saying, "I love this," and men are saying, "I hate this." And this is why relationships are not working today because we don't know what each other want. Right? And so instead when you you talking about taking your girl to go see a rapper versus showing up and taking her to something different. Right? Like you know, some men hear that whole thing, women be like, "Oh, you're different. Never been with nobody like you." Maybe 80% of the time they lying to you, right? But when it's me, it's 100% of the time correct. <laughs> right? Cuz I'm always do things differently. Right? I'm not going I'm not going to talk about the same things. We're not going to go to the same places. I'm going to show you different interests. And what this does is it kills the comparison. Right now you have a category alone in her mind because you're giving her experiences she never had with nobody else. Right? And people always ask, "Where do I find these high-level men and women?" Right? Some people say like yourself, right? Now, you got to kill all of that. You're not going to find the 19 keys, right? It's only one in me, right? Whether that's my ego talking or not, You just got to take it. Some things are truth like the sun. Right? You don't need to replace the sun. What you need to do is find what's right for you. Right? Because when you even set those sort of expectations upon yourself, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. Right? Meet yourself where you are, meet people where they are. Right? Now, I don't think the club is the right place. I don't think those particular environments are the right place specifically because the context changes, the intent changes and the impression you have on people in those environments changes. but going to places like investfest going to places to where you're networking the brother steve uh stefan speaks going to his events going to places where people are working on themselves for betterment for growth for conferences for financial intelligence and things of that nature put yourself in different environments and you will find different people right go in where people are already doing something high level so you don't have to try to find people who high level you're already in that environment 
So that would be my advice for people, right? Because when you're stuck in those same situations, you're going to find people who are attracted to those same situations. So therefore, you're following the same code and same patterns. And so therefore, your life is going in the same trajectory over and over, regardless of how many self-help books you read. So to, to have high-level conversations in relationships, it starts with creating an environment where we can be brutally honest. We don't have to hold anything back. The problem is... People aren't really getting to the depth of the conversation with each other because they're holding back what they really think. They're afraid this person's going to react negatively. It's like as simple as you could have a man who feels like his girl is gaining too much weight, but he doesn't feel like he can say that. You know what I'm saying? So now we're having these surface level conversations about getting in shape. But in reality, you want to just say, hey, listen, your weight gain is starting to have a negative impact on me. And now we can go deeper into why that's the case, why maybe you have been struggling with trying to manage this. Now we can actually accomplish something with this conversation. So it starts with complete honesty, transparency, a willingness to be vulnerable on both sides. And I have to say, you know, because there's a lot of people on the internet telling men don't be vulnerable to a woman. And I think it's important to understand there's a difference between being vulnerable and being emotionally unstable. I think that when you are emotionally unstable as a man, yes, that's going to look bad on you to any woman you deal with. But being vulnerable is just being open and transparent. And you should be willing to do that. And if you cannot do that with a woman, she's not the woman for you. So if anything, being vulnerable as a man will help you expose what kind of woman you're dealing with. You know what I'm saying? Because if you open up to her and next month she throws it in your face, get rid of her. Let me not say get rid of her right away, but I'll just say that's a red flag that needs to be addressed, all right? Maybe it was a reflex reaction on her part, but you got to discuss that because you've got to make sure you can have someone that you can completely open up to without judgment who focuses more on how do we grow from this and get better. Once we get on the mission of the emotion and we devote it to get liberation to our people, I 
our freedom ain't talking about the identity that's connected to the evils that the agenda gives you. No, we're talking about actually knowing that you got and sticking tall and speaking to the power against all odds. They look at me and say, how's you a black man? How you walking and talking and dressing like you move like a fool? Why you know yourself so much? Why you so damn fool? Why you got confidence? Because I decided that I would never live at the lowest level. That's that We're going to the highest level. Make sure y'all come with us.